0: I broke my own rule. I started to give a fuck, and I brought you guys along with me. We're about to walk into some serious shit, and, well, before we do, I'd just like to podcast for two or three hours. You have found the real war project. This is Batch Ten, Episode Two. We watch 2003's Tears of the Sun.
1: This podcast contains explicit language and plot spoilers.
0: Charles. Oh, hey, Aaron. Welcome back for another week of um, what I'm going to call a Afro-pessimistic white savior extravaganza. This is evocative hmm. of Beasts of No Nation. This is definitely hmm. evocative of Behind Enemy Lines, which we talked about three episodes a whole batch <laughs> ago. And yet here it is sitting next to The Guns of Navarone from 1961. Which means the next two episodes of this show are going to be cool because I'm very curious about this batch and what is happening here. Um, But Tears of the Sun, yeah, 2003. What's your reaction to this movie? You said you have a complex relationship with the war movie, and I'm going to keep kicking this to you at the top. How is your complex relationship with the war movie contextualized by Tears of the Sun from 2003?
1: I feel like I remember liking this movie more when I watched
0: it, like mm-hmm. it was more generally enjoyable. I don't think I finished it the first time I watched it because the end I did not recognize. I recognized about half of this movie and then I was like, mm-hmm. I've never seen this part
1: before. <laughs> so. Yeah, it would have been a, a pretty accurate movie if they ended it at about like 38 minutes. Yeah, They just flew off end and of, roll credit. <laughs> right, just the people looking up and they're just like, yeah, no, you don't. You don't get to ride on the helicopter. He, look,
0: he looks out the helicopter, sees all of the blood in the water, and just kind of nods grimly. And then cue uh, senator's mm-hmm. son or something—I don't know. <laughs> and then he's like, "That's Vietnam music. Where's our music? God damn it! I don't know." Anyway, different movies. This is a uh, this is a movie that definitely
1: a lot of you know military people saw. You know, they think it's they think it's Hua. It's a fun it's a fun film, I guess. You know, it makes you feel good. It makes you think that. You would have any choice whatsoever to seemingly do what you would think is the right thing to do.
0: This movie wants us to do something. It definitely wants us to not do nothing. What's that Edmund Burke quote at the end? The only thing evil needs is for good people to do nothing. So, let's go. Oorah. Yeah. <laughs> right.
1: Yeah, we never do that. <laughs> Well, not like this. We don't (laughs) none of the stuff that this movie implies is the good thing to do or the right thing to do is ever anything that we have ever done. Right. There is no time in our in our history. I don't feel where we like truly looked at a village being gunned down (laughs) and thought we should really just go in there and fucking stop that because it's
0: wrong. Right. Usually what we do is say there's militants in that village and just drone strike a lot of them <laughs> and then chalk up a bunch of collateral damage points and say the war on terror is messy because they hide among civilians. <laughs>
1: hey, this uh this movie seemingly exists in a in also a time vacuum. I texted you as I was watching it today. For seemingly the last hour of the movie, no matter what I did, I always had fifty minutes left in the movie. Yeah. This movie is 30 minutes shorter than Guns of Navarone. But at the same time, it is an hour and a half longer
0: than (laughs) Guns of Navarone. (laughs) Guns of Navarone felt long. I said this movie did feel longer. (laughs) This movie felt. I said they could cut all sorts of things from Guns of Navarone.
1: Um, I thought Guns of Navarone was a well-paced, was a well-paced adventure romp. And this movie, like, for some reason, just like... I'm trying to figure out what it is that that like drags for me and I'm feeling like Mm -hmm. to a certain extent it's gun combat like the 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 portrayal of gun gun combat a lot of the time just feels boring to me Mm -hmm. and I wonder what it is that's missing that would make it feel
0: more like it has stakes. It has all the parts, except, well, I, th- I do think conspicuously absent are the stakes. I'm going to talk about that in two seconds. I sent you the text message. The The summation of Bruce Willis's backstory in this movie is he came off a helicopter from a mission, and you added that cut his eyebrow. <laughs> and that is his backstory. Where is he from? Don't know. Is he married? Don't know. Does he have kids? Who cares? There's just nothing for this person Which means aside from like just wanting the good guy to win, there's like no stakes. You get it? Like these are just grunts in the jungle fighting just unilaterally bad, one-dimensionally bad characters who likewise have no backstory, except they're killing everyone who goes to a different church. And so even though it's got the great sound effects and the right guns and gun tactics, I want to ask you about at the end, um, because I don't know that they just walk straight towards them like that and a little, seems like one grenade could have handled all of those seals at the end. I could be wrong. Um, It just, you're right. It, it drags and it drags in the parts that are supposed to be exciting conspicuously absent i would echo from your prior is uh based on a true story (laughs) because while the imdb says this is loosely based on something that happened in colombia yeah with canadians um, yeah yeah right bruce willis got his hands on it and just hung on to it and wanted to make it for years and years and finally got to make it and the behind-the-scenes stuff, when you watch, there's like a documentary on YouTube and things. And he's talking about how, you know, it's really important that we bring awareness and attention. Again, this is a powerful movie. And they're like, there's terrible things in here because we want people to look at it.
2: This is what they do.
3: What this movie is based on, like really bringing people's attention, awareness to what's really going on. There are horrible things in this film. We never took the edges off of it. This is what the film's about, the harsh reality of what tribal warfare looks like. If my people have been killing your people for centuries, you're not going to set that aside. Why is this happening? Why why is the world letting this happen? Which is what it feels like, is that the world is letting this happen.
0: It made me think, again, of Beasts of No Nation and the question of, like, who is this audience for? What's the audience for this movie? Who is it for? What are we supposed to do besides just go in and, and shoot all the baddies? It's a weird one. And it's a weird fit. It speaks a lot, I think, to Lone Survivor. Um, in ways that are kind of interesting and and Mm -hmm. would be fun to pick up because they're at different eras. I have, I'm just going to tip this at the top. I have two concepts that I'm going to try to pull together um, for this episode that seem disparate and wonky, but I think are very clearly related if I can explain them well, which is always the challenge on a podcast. The first is the white savior industrial complex. This is a phrase that Brittany Aronson wrote about based on a Twitter uh, thread by Teju Cole who later went on to the Atlantic to contextualize this Twitter thread. The White Savior Industrial Complex is really fascinating. We're going to talk about that at the end, I'm sure, probably throughout. But the other one that I have to link it to that I think is interesting. Charles, I told you in in the chat that this movie linked via a very explicit article to the whole conversation we had in the episode about on behind enemy lines about jacksonian militarism remember that Mm -hmm. yes the purest form of jacksonian militarism is a reduction of the world to aggressive warfare and the unleashing of a pleasurably righteous violence on perceived enemies in the name of preemptive action that's the purest form okay jacksonian warfare according to this really really cool article from t.j cobb which is actually a book chapter american cinema and cultural diplomacy three kings behind enemy lines black hawk down and this movie, all link that kind of militarism to what they call global meliorism. This is a a wonky term. Mm. And I was like, this one's going to take me forever to figure out. But it's pretty straightforward. Global meliorism is Clinton diplomacy. It's this idea, essentially, that we can link America's success to alleviating poverty and spreading democracy. We can't
1: even do that in our own country. Exactly. We can't alleviate policy here, and we don't experience democracy in our everyday work lives.
0: And yet, this becomes one of the most important things that we try to tell ourselves in terms of our diplomacy. The, uh, the book chapter says that LBJ kind of destroyed this concept uh, in Vietnam. We tried it before. Uh, the basic idea is we uh, opposition to the United States according to global meliorism, is in a part a product of oppression or poverty. If you don't like us, it's because you are oppressed or you are poor. And this rationalizes foreign policy based on promoting democracy, defending human rights, and fostering economic growth. LBJ in Vietnam kind of made this look really bad. And so we pivoted to a very more isolationist policy we talked about um, in that last episode Behind Enemy Lines, or three episodes ago. And basically what happens is Bill Clinton comes along and takes global meliorism to its purest form. And 3 kids. Behind Enemy Lines, Black Hawk Down, and Tears of the Sun all demonstrate what they say is a new kind of imperialism, a military informed by deeply entrenched values of democracy and multiculturalism linked to this unilateral idealism that is like, we're going to go everywhere, kick the door down, and solve the fucking problem. It's like John Wayne with a heart. It's like, you get it? And and, and, and this movie is so fascinating number one in that it completely failed at the box office. And the article about it is like, this movie could be the limits of that. Oh. You get it. None of these movies did well. We talked about how with behind enemy lines, um, it cost 40 million opening weekend, 18.7 million. Not great. Worldwide gross was 91.7 million. So ultimately it came away more than doubling what it was worth. And that's what you want. This movie cost 75 million, almost twice as much as behind enemy lines opening weekend was 17 million less, not good. Worldwide gross was 86.4, critical flop, box office flop, America's sick of it. At the end of this era, we start telling ourselves newer war stories, I guess. Is part of the connotation here, but this is a generation of storytelling that's merging two trends of America that I think is interesting context at the top.
1: Was um was Lone Survivor a hit? Lone Survivor, um, I'm gonna look. Because Lone Survivor, this movie felt a lot like Lone Survivor, didn't it? I mean, it had like so many parallels of it. Yeah.
0: Except Afro pessimistic.
1: Right, exactly. <laughs> we'll get into it like at the end where it's like, oh, this is like just a thing that the
0: military wants to see. Ready? Or, yeah. Lone Survivor, budget, forty million. Opening weekend, ninety point eight million. Doubled oh, its wow. budget. Doubled it. Gross worldwide, one hundred and fifty four. Point eight million. You give me $40, I give you $154.80. You're feeling pretty good about that. <laughs>
1: wow. Hmm. I wonder if it's the true story aspect of it. Because then, whatchamacallit did bad, right? 13 hours, Secret Soldiers of Benghazi. That one was yeah, technically a I think flop, that that I believe. It
0: was kind of floppy, yeah.
1: Yeah. Interesting. I wonder what the, what the, what is it that, that we like and dislike in the stories as a culture? Maybe it truly is just, you know, two years post nine eleven or into the, or, you know, first year of the Iraq war and then second year or whatever of Afghanistan.
0: Do we not want to see a made up story? The chapter says this kind of... Like conversation of who we are falls on deaf ears in the shock and awe realities of American imperialism in Iraq. You get it. Mm-hmm. Lone Survivor came out in 2013, so that's like you know 10 years after this movie. And I do think that there's similarities, but I think we could probably go back and do a deeper cut, which I might do for the batch episode, and find um, some key differences. If you're interested, 13 hours. The budget was 50 million. Opening weekend 16.1. Again, not good. Looking more like these other ones. Mm-hmm. Gross worldwide 69.4 so lone survivor is the budget standout and that's interesting that doesn't mean it's like a success or whatever we don't want to put too much on the budget but i do i do think that's interesting and again this one came out 13 hours came out in 2016
1: and the true events of red wings of lone survivor happened two years after this movie comes out
0: Hmm. hmm.
1: Interesting. interesting why 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 is it that we associate andrew jackson specifically with that type of narrative. He can't possibly be the one person like the one person that yeah. had those beliefs, right? Like
0: those are ancient. He definitely inherited it. It was Gerard Tull's article, The Frustration of Geopolitics and the Pleasures of War Behind Enemy Lines in American Geopolitical Culture. And the T.J. Cobb chapter in American Cinema and Cultural Diplomacy references this article specifically as a very succinct summary mm-hmm. of Jacksonian militarism. So that's a good card to find the card you're using. Another book is like, this is a good card i'm like right mm-hmm. but i would say that jackson i mean i don't know I, I can't answer for the author but what i would say my own basis of speculation is that this dude inherits something and makes it especially popular ah. like donald trump didn't invent his brand he's just a very steroidal successful version of it you get it mm-hmm. and i feel like andrew jackson again not known. i have a one biography i've read and that's it kind
1: of like Brings a bunch of idea of already existing ideas together and popularizes under under a brand. Almost. Yeah,
0: in, in, in a very peak gain kind of way, you get it. It's like um, he's like a rogue wave of politics where you have all of these waves that are all working together. And all of a sudden they all come together to make a huge freaking representation of themselves. And I think that that's probably why. We lo- he was a very spectacular president. Obviously, very outspoken. Like,
1: was his era a particularly? I mean, I guess it's it's like a particular expansionist time of our history. So,
0: absolute brutality against indigenous folks. Yeah,
1: I guess I'm trying to imagine. I can't. I have a hard time putting myself. I guess in the in the context of the people of the time you know so i'm like who the fuck why do we even give a fuck about him but then it's like maybe the people back in the day were just like i mean people lost their pride when presidents died so
0: i think a lot of it has to do with you know him just kind of representing okay. a bunch of you know versions of who we are the the cop cut describes jacksonism as very individualistic very provincial afraid about the loss of parochial america afraid for American citizens among all else. Americans. She's not an American citizen in this movie until she needs to be at the end. And then she's like, I'm an American citizen to get on the helicopter or get in the building or whatever it was. Um, but also Christians. This movie's full of Christian imagery and that's really important because they're the persecuted ones. Jacksonianism puts European women in particular, but also men in danger a lot from tribalized locals. The captivity narrative is really popular with Jacksonian militarism. It also sees captivity as an adventure. Right. And so that's gotta be like something from England England too, right? Like that's... The article specifically mentions James Fenimore Cooper. Oh. So I feel like a lot of fictions coming together. I wrote JFC like Jesus fucking Christ, but also <laughs> James Fenimore Cooper is the actual thing. Hyper-violent primitivism is the other. So like anytime we're hyper-violent with the primitivized other, we're playing into this kind of culture. US um, military um, in this movie literally shows up and just shuts African women up. The very first thing they do in situ is put their hand over a woman's mouth and say, shut the fuck up and take us to this person that we want. Um, not very melioristic. Clinton wouldn't do that, but this movie is definitely doing that.
1: Oh, for the sake of the listeners, what
0: does meliorism mean? Basically, if you are opposed to the United States, it is because you are oppressed or you are poor. And the United States is going to come to spread democracy, defend human rights, and foster economic growth. This is, in many ways, disparate from Jacksonian militarism. In a lot of ways, because Jacksonian militarism doesn't give a shit about your human rights.
1: But that's not what meliorism, just as a word in itself, means, is it? This is global meliorism. Okay, right. I was gonna heart. say meliorism just as it as its own word means kind of like you think you can make things
0: better. Yeah again, it's a kind of welfareism. This is a kind of welfareism, whereas Jacksonianism is very individualistic. Eventually, we're going to get into this movie. Is meliorism in itself
1: bad or is it the global meliorism or the militaristic global meliorism that is
0: bad? Like wanting to make things better isn't necessarily bad, right? No, unless it's coupled with a total ignorance of the problem and right. a complete ostentatious display of superiority and exceptionalism. It's like, we're the best actors in all the world. And also, we have no idea what the problem is, or at least we understand understand it in our own terms, which are very self-serving and convenient. And I think it's just noting that America is not any one culture. American is a mishmash of different perspectives. And you've got in these articles talking about like Hamilton and Wilson and all these people as icons, as like representations of an aggregate of expectations of politics in this country. And you cannot say that all Americans are like Andrew Jackson because we're not. A lot of us are melioristic, right? The liberals especially are like, we can make the world a better place and I think it's just interesting to see how two fairly antagonistic perspectives can live very happily together across a clutch of movies, right? I want to take this exact angle back to Behind Enemy Lines and be like, look at how sympathetically like Bill Clinton and George W. Bush live together on screen. Mm -hmm. I mean, we know they do in policy. You can see the track record. But you would think the rhetoric would be a tough fit. And these movies show that it's not. It's pretty uh, mutually exploitative, I guess. I don't know. Okay. Well, let's get into the movie, I guess. Let's talk about the movie. All right. Yeah, let's do that. Tears of the Sun. We're going back to
1: 2003. This is Tears of the Sun. This is an Antoine Fuqua movie. Um, Antoine Fuqua exploded onto the scene with uh, Training Day was the the big one,
2: I think. In the next 24 hours, the only thing more dangerous than the line being
3: crossed. Today's a training day, Officer Hoy good chance to give you a little taste of reality you think you can handle it is the cop who has crossed it i will do anything you want me to do will you
1: um but he also i saw him way back when he did uh, replacement
2: killers they worship a hero and on february 6th he arrives
3: chow yun fat is john lee assassin which brings us to your task and involves a cop
1: he was coming off of uh, music videos i think and then yeah. john woo produced replacement killers that has a mira sorvino and chow yun fat in it maybe it was fun. You know, it's from that era of people trying to knock off John Woo in Hollywood. <laughs> Nobody's quite John Woo, and John Woo could never be John Woo in Hollywood is the problem.
0: Tough act to follow. I'm going to mention <laughs> it exactly once. It's a book called Teaching Race in the 21st Century in 2008. Deborah Rard has Chapter 12, Resisting the Straight Male Hero, the Straight White Male Hero as Hero Protagonist in a Course on American Groups in American Films. To say that in their class, they had a really cool conversation about the range in terms of apologetic from Training Day to this movie, the art, the book chapter says. The students are just kind of interested in how, on the one hand, this movie can like provide a very basic white apologetic, whereas they said the movie Training Day is a little more critical and just a little bit more perspectival. And that's just a fun note, I thought.
1: Training Day is like kind of a it's, – it's an interesting – movie in ways that this one is not
0: blackness is positioned with a lot more agency let's just put it that way
2: (laughs) Mm -hmm.
1: he also does the uh he's done like the equalizer movies the newer ones he did the uh, very bad magnificent seven remake shame on him Uh, he does shooter he did the clive owen king arthur he's a working director but he really he peaks with training day i think and then aside from that he's just kind of like a reliable worker this movie is visually
0: really Um, amazing i think right like it looks
1: he has a dp that he seems to work with this is moro fiore um he did spider-man no way home marvel is where creativity goes to die everything kind of has like a grayish uh, muted look in a marvel movie he did mosul um which we will be watching eventually that's an iraqi made war movie apparently and then we'll also he also does um pretty much all of uh fuqua's movies Mm -hmm. Interesting Yeah So this soundtrack is a Hans Zimmer soundtrack And it has that lady on there doing the singing I forget what her name is But she is also a big time that voice that we would recognize from the Gladiator soundtrack
0: When Charles came in, we're listening to the theme song for Tears of the Sun. Oh,
1: I wish they actually had a theme song of Tears in the Sun, like uh, Guns of Navarone. <laughs> it's fucking. It's shameful they don't just narrate the entire movie.
0: Right in the middle of the movie, they have a little, like a little, like sad sing along between Dr. Kendricks and Lieutenant <sighs> whatever his name is. I would right? have loved it tears of
1: the sun the seals sit in the middle of a native wedding and then the um
0: and then z gets to sing a verse in the native wedding song (laughs) anywho the first two minutes of the theme song i said are the sounds of afro pessimism it sounds like this And there's that singer Charles is talking about. And then at two minutes, I said, here comes the white savior. And it sounds like this. And that's much more exciting. I feel much better. And then I sent this to the folks in the chat. Charles and I uh, are renowned probably for making too many references to The Thin Red Line, which we have not watched yet. Hans Zimmer did, well, we have watched it, but not for the show. Hans Zimmer did the soundtrack for both. Here's his song from The Thin Red Line soundtrack called Silence. Silence. And here's the soundtrack from Tears of the Sun.
1: Zimmer will give you what you ask for I think you know are you daring enough of a director to tell him not to sound like his previous stuff and to be creative really
0: really sounds like the thin red line and it makes me want to get the friend of the show Scott Murphy there at the University of Kansas on to explain what those strings are doing sliding side to side like that because it it just gets me so thoughtful and it makes me so sad and it makes me want to hear a voiceover giving us the context. <laughs> Why does it work with,
1: with jungle footage? Is it the, the <laughs> sliding strings? Is it like the leaves blowing kind
0: of in the trees yeah. as you think? And the angles looking up and, and, and tilting as the tree. Yeah, it's like, no. The music for this is um, very somber, very serious. This, this song that we're listening to now, from the end of Tears of the Sun, ends with a kind of like rock and roll outro that the Thin Red Line would not do. This is global meliorism, a la Hans Zimmer soundtrack. That's what this is. That's what we're listening to right now. This does. I mean, this does not happen in the Thin Red Line. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it seems so hopeful. But no, the soundtrack is really interesting, and it would be a fun crosscut with the Thin Red Line for sure.
1: It would be fascinating to to actually like end of his career when he doesn't want to work anymore and just has bridges to burn and fucking molotovs to throw to talk to Hans Zimmer and just yeah. like get him to be like. To really say, like, which soundtracks of his he was, like, really phoning it in on because they just absolutely didn't want anything creative from him and which ones, whereas was he, like... Like eyes rolled back in his head, playing the Moog synthesizer in his effing house. That's like the size of my house. Right.
0: Yeah. It wasn't until I sat down to try to write the email to John Sales through his webpage to ask him to be on our podcast that I realized how stupid that email sounds. <laughs> it's like, so yeah, we'll just reach out to old Hans Zimmer and he'll be like, "Oh, a podcast? I definitely want to do that." And I bet we can get him. We'll we'll, <laughs> we'll figure it out. There's a layer between people who write books and peer reviewed like articles. And major motion picture celebrities. <laughs> yeah, it's all,
1: I almost don't even want to talk about the movie. I just want to hear like what his mm-hmm. concepts are about it. You know, like that. That's what it is. Like I want to talk to. Mm-hmm. I want to talk to the Discovery writers. Yes, and talk to them about what their concepts are in regards to the stuff that we've identified in our storylines in these movies. That would yeah. be really the because it seems like they're actively trying to undo them. And are they? Is it something that they're aware of that they're actively trying to do? I would be fascinated to hear what it is without any spoilers. Any case, local music into a news update. Voice of the Media
3: tension that had been brewing for months in Nigeria exploded yesterday as exiled General Mustafa Yakubu orchestrated a swift and violent coup against the democratically elected government of President Samuel Azuka.
0: Yeah, local music and great big quotes into a news update. Voice of the Media, the chapter, TJ Cobb chapter, cross-cuts this with um, Behind Enemy Lines saying the media is giving us the mulierist narrative. Tensions are exploding.
3: Tens of thousands have been killed in the fighting or executed thereafter.
0: There are exile groups.
3: In the land with 120 million people and over 250 ethnic groups, there had been a long standing history of ethnic enmity, particularly between the Fulani Muslims in the north and Christian Igbo in the south.
0: They need someone, somewhere to do something to save the day. They're just desperate for help.
3: For now, General Yakubu has taken control of most of the country and appears firmly in charge. There's no word yet on the United Nations' reaction to the coup, but United States forces have already begun to evacuate its embassy.
1: We're somewhere off the coast of Africa. Mm -hmm. Blackhawks land on an aircraft carrier, the Harry S. Truman. As you can see behind me on the USS Harry S. Truman. Activity is high as foreign nationals continue to be evacuated from all over Nigeria.
0: Not as many aircraft carrier shots in this movie is behind enemy lines. And I just like to think of editors being like, how about another shot of the aircraft carrier plowing through the ocean?
1: As much as they can get away with it and have it make sense, they use the aircraft carrier. And even then I was like, this kind of doesn't make sense. I know. It just looks
0: really good and says force and <laughs> power. And here we have Tom Garrett. Yeah. Surely there's a quieter place to talk on the phone, I wrote.
1: Cut the shit. Who do you
0: think you're talking to? <laughs> I'll tell you how many times I laughed The Tom Scarrett is taking all of his phone calls <gasps> On the flight deck of an aircraft carrier. <laughs> a very busy aircraft
1: carrier be a be a This isn't the aircraft carrier where they just only have time to like shoot footballs off of the edge
2: I'm <laughs> in <your> shoes,
1: <laughs> This is like airplanes landing behind
2: air them Like
1: surely there's like a communications room you can sit in.
2: You get your ass back. A
1: <laughs> That's quiet. When have I not completed one of your missions? That is hooked up to one of the billion antennas that are on, like this effing Conning Tower. I strongly advise you complete the evacuation as planned. Do you read me? No. There
0: is zero justification given. You the-
1: have to stand <laughs> on the flight deck with one finger in your ear, yelling into the phone. I
2: don't like this.
1: As numerous jets land and take off behind you, holy shit!
0: <laughs> and and the jets land behind him while right? he stands there.
2: <laughs> The major problem, just what?
0: Why I did? I thought it would be very funny if just briefly you saw Owen Wilson run by in the background trying to catch a football that's like way up over his head. That oh, would have been so good. <laughs> it is so stupid. It <laughs> makes absolute. It makes sense at the very beginning of the movie when they get off the helicopter and the situation is so urgent that he greets them on the flight deck.
2: Well, look at you. Welcome back
0: i guess that makes sense but even then it's like get chow i'll meet you in the chow hall it's like you literally could have just met them in the chow hall and told them gentlemen mm-hmm. appreciate you appreciate you've been hopping out there but we're gonna have to put you back in
1: priority task: need to extract the
2: critical personality asap now get some chow refit for a three-day loop
0: Yeah, somebody else could have passed that on to you. (laughs) This is the sign of a guy who either does not like the people that he works with in his office or works in an office that smells like farts. And that's why he is just always outside. (laughs)
1: Look, this is the thing. This is the thing. And I'm going to say it right here up at the top. You have two huge giant assets to this movie. Right. (laughs) And you're going to use them every chance you get. One of them is an aircraft carrier. Right. The other
0: one. Tom Skerritt. Who do you think you're talking to? And him in a command tower with windows? That's just not cool. Although that had to be CG. It had to be. Like,
1: there's I, think no I think he's really there. Oh, i think he's God. really standing like i think they just have a long lens on him so it's like the,
0: the space is compressed you imagine being a pilot coming in for a landing on an aircraft carrier with tom scarrett shooting mm-hmm. a scene on it? <laughs> don't kill the
1: <laughs> don't kill the guy from mash please
2: i don't like this <laughs>
1: don't wreck your jet <laughs> <laughs> we're shooting the movie so and we only have so many takes so if you wreck your jet in the back <laughs> um that's getting in the movie
2: on the phone
0: what <laughs> like maybe he's like out there showing him a map i don't know maybe there's other things maps just blowing around <laughs> trying yes. to unfold it like <laughs> blowing over his arm i don't like this it makes as much sense it makes as much sense <laughs> Oh my god! let's just spend the next hour about this because i cannot get over the fact that like three times this dude is taken <laughs> phone calls on the fucking flight deck
1: <laughs> he has nowhere else to go well you remember in um in thin red line it starts out kind of describing the smell of it said that the inside of the troop ship was a fucking foul
0: disastrous odor that's what i'm saying that's what yeah. i'm saying this guy either doesn't like the people he works with or he works in an office that smells like farts. And so he just goes outside every chance yeah. he gets. It's probably that Navy ships just smell like freaking feet and farts. He's like, I got to right? take this call. I got to take this call. I'm just going to take you this You really call don't.
1: Outside. And it's like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. <laughs> if you've been outside for 30 minutes, then you will know how bad it is to step back in here. Those All the fumes of the jet engines, that's just demonstrably better, apparently. <laughs> bruce willis shows up he his his group shows up and these helicopters they walk off they are right fresh off of a mission bruce willis has a cut on his eye and tom scarrett comes out to meet him it's not even really it's not bleeding or anything it it is truly just a scratch like it doesn't even look like like a boxer's gash it It just
0: stitches in it later and i'm just like necessary
1: why did you yeah you guys probably could just glued it you know at
0: at most but they made it a point to like literally point it out.
1: They should have actually showed them stapling it shut. That would have been better. <laughs> I mean, yeah. fuck, why not? So Tom Skerritt says that there's a, a really important mission and that they only have time to like eat and then go right, essentially right back out again. And right. Bruce Willis doesn't ask any questions. Tom Skerritt's like, go and uh, see the medic about your about Uriah. We also get an update from the news. We hear that the entire presidential family has also been assassinated. Mm-hmm. Ain't that some shit?
0: Yep. Not like that's going to be significant later on. At first, you think it is just a sign of brutality and instability in our Afro-pessimistic lens.
1: Well, don't spoil it. People are, wa- are listening to this uh, uh, to experience the movie. That's right. Mm-hmm. Um, We already ruined the Tom Skerritt phone calls
2: I don't like (laughs) this
1: It's so stupid It's always great to see Tom Skerritt You know, we know him from River Runs Through It
3: I'd say the Lord has blessed us all today It's just that he's been particularly good to me
1: (laughs) You'll know him from tons of other stuff Top Gun Oh, is he also
0: in Top Gun? Yeah, he's Viper in Top Gun Good
1: morning, gentlemen The temperature is 110 degrees Holy
0: shit, it's Viper Viper's up here, great
2: Oh, shit
0: my class right now is watching Contact, and he is a grade-A mm-hmm. a shithole in that movie. He yep. is like the epitome of the bad guy in that movie.
1: Ellie, I know you must
2: think this is all very unfair. What you don't know is I agree. I wish the world was a place where fair was the bottom line. Unfortunately, we don't live in that world. Funny, i always believe that the world is what we make
1: of it. We'll be seeing him in M.A.S.H. eventually when we do watch that. Mm, I didn't know he um, was on that. The movie, he is... Um, opposite Ow. of Donald Sutherland in the
3: movie. I'm Hawkeye Pierce. Yeah, you see,
2: so all I can get out of him is he's from Baston and he's been in the army two months. I. Oh, yeah, yeah and that's all.
1: Ah, okay. So the mission is that they have to go into this area. Where, where, where is the movie taking place? Here, Nigeria. They said Nigeria.
0: Yeah, they do say Nigeria. To their credit, now, they specify a nation in in Africa, <laughs> unlike Piece right. of No Nation, which is like africa
1: (laughs) wasn't nigeria the the country that where the troops were from in beast of no nation that he's trying to sell the tv to doing imagination tv and stuff weren't they nigerian oh interesting i think you're right confused faces on the podcast right exactly they didn't seem like they were going through a civil war at the time in fact they seemed (laughs) like they were the the stable ones that right. had troops to contribute to a uh, attempted peacekeeping process, huh?
0: Okay. One of the articles we talked about in the Beasts of No Nation episode, mm-hmm. they said that all of the conflicts that these movies are referencing are conflicts from the 90s.
1: Because, <laughs> yeah, because I looked up Nigerian Civil War earlier as I was watching the movie and I was like, well, this ended like in the early 70s or something. Like, this was like in the 60s right. to 70s. Right. So, what the fuck are no, they talking about in this it's movie? It's not
0: changed. It's all the same. There's no hope because the what they're what they seem to be
1: kind of conjuring are like images of the Rwandan genocide. But I'm pretty sure Rwanda is different from Nigeria, which is different from Ghana, which is different
0: from all of the other places in the thing. Come behold the generalities of Afro pessimism, Charles.
1: At some point, Bruce Willis in the movie says, "God left Africa
0: long ago," and it's like the whole fucking continent. The whole continent. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about a broad brush. You've heard of broad brush strokes. Well, this one is continental. <laughs> Holy shit. So anyway, but don't don't worry. They're bringing attention. They're bringing attention. They're raising awareness. People <laughs> need to know so the world doesn't do nothing about what? In inaccurate representations of <laughs> yeah, genocide and ethnic cleansing. Holy shit. They got front row seats to ethnic cleansing. Where? Nigeria. Is that for real? It is not. <laughs> So
1: those special the here we go Tongo Tongo ambush. So there is that that ambush where the the special forces guys were killed, and that was in Nigeria. Okay, and that was pretty recently. So there is okay ongoing stuff going
0: on there. So I guess this movie's real. This movie this movie tells us there's five thousand troops. Um, there's also, they're armed with all these weapons in their armories, and the movie just dismisses the fact that we put all those guns there. It's like, they're also using all the guns that we sold them. And that is the end of that line right there. That's a big part of the white savior complex, is we are going to acknowledge we had a part in it, and then just completely sidestep that whole thing.
1: Intel estimates 5,000 Yakubo troops scattered throughout this sector. They're taking over government armories, and unfortunately, we have been supplying them for far too many years. In addition... There's some throwaway lines about, like, oil and stuff like that. (laughs) But they're very quick, and and it's... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they they're so quick that it almost seems like it's like yeah yeah no Americans just understand we do off. this shit because of
0: They laugh it off. It's like it's like a joke. It's literally a joke. It's like, well, they're fighting with all the guns we gave them. Guess we got to go save the fucking day. <laughs> I
1: was thinking about it as I was watching it. It would have been nice to have seen the uh the bad guys in the movies using like M16s. Mm-hmm. They were more equipped like the um like the bad guys in Beasts of No Nation who straight up, like, had, like, American equipment and stuff. Right. That would have been more interesting. In the the mission, they say that they're going to halo insert and then, like, go across land or whatever, you know, to get over to the, to the thing. There's a book I have somewhere around here that's, like, called Inside Delta Force. It's written by one of the guys who was one of, like, the first operators in Delta Force. And he was talking about how, like, they would get, like, a new guy... Who would be planning missions and he'd be like, we're going to Halo drop in. And then, you you know, you're going to do this and this and this and this and this and this and this. And And it's like an action movie. Like the guy has it. Imagine like Halo drop into the ocean. You're going to fucking scuba like insert into this area. And the guys are like, no, how about we go to the border? (laughs) We steal a car. We just drive indiscreetly into the town and then get the guy and then leave again. Like, why would we? But but." But don't you want to pop out of the water and slit a man's throat and freaking, you know, like, like, no, I don't want to fucking do that. That's
0: hard. Don't you want to stand at the big door when the door opens at the plane and there's just clouds out there and you jump out into the cloud? Don't you want to
1: do that? Right. And then you open your parachute at the last minute? Don't you want to do that? No. Okay. No. <laughs> all right call hurts and <laughs> get
0: avas on the phone
1: <laughs> i guess that's the dif- the difference between seals and delta force when people wonder what are, what's the difference the difference is that the seals are like fuck yeah we want to we want to do that and delta force is like we'll steal a car and just drive
0: in yeah can i play the airplane sound now yes <laughs>
1: I didn't I didn't get a look Sorry. at the airplane I guess I may have been scribbling so many notes but you know the uh the navy is very excited about its osprey you know mm. and so maybe that's what we're seeing there it's hard to tell I can't identify an osprey if it's not Totally crashing and murdering everybody on the inside. It's just—it's weird to see them actually flying and not being a in complete the air, hazard. What they're
0: supposed to do? Yeah. We get a very silent gear up scene. Did you notice that? Where they're sitting there in the plane, saying nothing. The, the gear up scene is typically much more overt, and this movie mm-hmm. is very, very subtle about it. And I was like, "That's there." It is, but real quiet. Just jingling, silent troops in a loud. Gear.
1: yeah i feel like the gear up stuff is kind of like spread out throughout the whole movie there's there are certain times at at different moments where they kind of give you like bruce willis is like putting his magazine in and out and cocking the that gun was for when some she reason.
0: comes up to him to <laughs> talk totally. to him and i made a note that that was another gear up scene where he's playing with his gun and she comes to
1: talk it to feels him. totally unnecessary it would have made sense if right. he was like cleaning it maybe maybe he was just right at the
0: end of cleaning it
3: Can't you sleep, Lieutenant? My watchman.
0: One of the things we do in My 103 to really demystify movies is we play the same scene like four or five times in a row.
3: Can't you sleep, Lieutenant? My watchman. Can't you sleep, Lieutenant? My watchman. Can't you sleep, Lieutenant? my watch man
0: and we talk about how as actors you have to like reshoot the same scene every single time so if you come in and look at your notes and flip a page and then look up shocked you have to come in and look at your notes and flip a page and look up shocked come in look at your notes lift up a page and look up shocked. and and i thought of that with that scene when he's sitting there rubbing his gun and cleaning his gun and then he rolls his shoulders and looks at her like oh what's going on and they're like all right let's do it again rubbing his gun and cleaning (laughs) his gun and rolling his shoulders and i'm just like it it becomes very overt when you look at it like that. I think
1: there's um, what's his name from uh, from on the waterfront who plays like the uh, what's his name? He was the preacher in Pollyanna as well. But he at some point people are yelling at him as he's giving a speech and he gets like hit in the face with some stuff. And He said like the hardest thing was acting like you weren't going to get hit in the face with this fucking thing that's thrown at you. Can you imagine doing that for like numerous takes? Be tough. Not flinching, trying not to flinch. You flinched right before you got hit in the face with the cabbage, and it's like, ah, fuck.
0: Everybody reset. The dude that was laying in the water at the end, the footsteps going past him was like splashing water on his face. And I was like, that dude did not move at all. That was pretty impressive. Like you gotta like tough. put
1: like the opaque like uh contacts into your eyes so you can just have them wide open as they splash water in your face. Still be so hard though. Be so hard not to flinch. Ugh. they actually morphined him up he he wishes he could move it was terrifying for him <laughs> so their their mission is to go to a um is to go to a mission oh their mission is for the the mission is the mission it yep. isn't actually the mission it's just the white people in the mission and most importantly monica bellucci there is a priest and two nuns one of them is fiona La flanagan
3: sister siobhan watch
1: She is great. She is a classic um, that lady. Um, She was RIP. She recently passed away um, in the last couple of years. Um, But the main lady is Monica Bellucci.
0: Her job in this movie is to be fierce and defiant and later concussed and shocked Mm -hmm. and horrified and appalled. And there's a whole story arc, according to the behind the scenes, where she brings out the humanity in Bruce Willis's character that over his proximity to her and viewing things like he sees how much she's welcomed by all of these people, but he doesn't have anyone or whatever. If they would have built him as a loner, I think that that story would have come through more. I feel but like I, I, d- it didn't come across very in well. In hindsight, I see it, mm-hmm. but when they like very explicitly tell me that it's there, and with the scenes cut over top of it, I'm like, oh, okay, I guess I can see that, but it really does not carry. She, she to me, comes off as just very, very angry package, basically. Like She didn't come across like that to
1: me, but I didn't really see him as being necessarily moved by witnessing her compassion, as much as he right. was moved by just the cruelty that was inflicted on the other people finally like right it didn't seem like ever that he was the kind of person that yearned for the love
0: of other people it's funny because when he finds out about the whole Arthur situation which is a spoiler that's when he goes on the phone and says yeah but they're also human beings he doesn't have this mindset until early until that point in the movie somebody told him that Arthur was an
1: aardvark and he's like yeah (laughs) but they're also human beings it's a metaphor right why didn't you
2: tell me Stop, Arthur. I didn't tell you because you would have blabbed about it to Muffy.
0: He, he call, they all call them packages or whatever up until that point or packets or whatever uh-huh. they call it. I, I noted that since you're situating all the pieces at play, this is a movie about the military going in to rescue white missionary workers and Tiju Cole's article of the white savior industrial complex doesn't detail the prongs of the complex, but to me, like missionary work, the all-American present power of an aircraft carrier offshore, the Navy SEALs dropping in, Hollywood giving us the version of the story. It's like, these are all of the prongs. The, the audio and sitting there watching it and believing it and enjoying it and calling it powerful. That's the complex. When they're like, what is the complex? The industrial complex? All of these pieces have to come together to make the thing.
1: They're only there for the European people or the Americans.
0: Uh, there's yep. no evacuating of indigenous personnel. They make that very clear. Nope nope they're not his mission charles and i think the movie wants us to side with that dude
1: yeah kind of this is a trope i guess it's uh people popping out of the water how long would those guys they're not wearing snorkel gear or anything when they pop out so are they right. just holding their breath down oh here she comes get under her.
0: <laughs> yeah Remember the Odysseus? Uh, trailer totally. that we made for no, an English exactly. project where we had Tanner Jackson jump out of the water and we realized how long he had to stay under there for the water to stabilize and also for no bubbles to come out so that he uh-huh. could burst out from perfectly placid water? It was not easy. <laughs> it was a long time, man, yeah, and it was cold out there. It was cold water, yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, so yeah, so they do that. Um, Bruce Willis gets behind this lady who's just gathering some water. She gets startled by the dudes popping out. They're like
0: they make a lot of noise they pop out they're like <gasps> <gasps> <sighs> big long breaths they come out like the little mermaid throwing their hair back into a sparkle of <laughs> sunshine <laughs>
1: Bruce Willis grabs her and and covers her mouth, as Aaron mentioned at the beginning. They
0: spend so much time telling these women to be quiet. It's just shh 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 shh. They're afraid of the shooting. They're afraid of the men. They're afraid of the men coming out of the water, and they're just told to be quiet.
1: So Monica Bellucci, she doesn't want to go. She doesn't want to leave all these people. There's like a bunch of like people that are severely injured who aren't clearly right. aren't going anywhere. And and so Bruce Willis calls on the radio, we don't hear the other side of the conversation. Probably he can't hear because of all the airplanes landing. And he tells her that they're gonna get the people that can walk out of there with her. And so everybody pack up their stuff and get moving. And she's like, Oh, okay and one of the guys is like, Is that what we're doing? He's like,
0: What the fuck do you think? He never lies to her. I kind of watched that. I'm always curious to see like what people say and if they lie and if they don't. And he does not lie to her. Mm -hmm. He just says that, you know, tells her to tell them that they're moving out. He never says they're coming with her, any of that. And he also never tells his own guys what they're doing. The takeaway is that the guy on the phone says you can't take these people with him. And he tells her to take all the people with him and his... Troops are like, what are we doing? And he's like, I'll let you know when I figure it out or something. I think the I guys know.
1: like know at that point that they're like, we're just saying what we need to do to get this lady out of here because okay. they know what the parameters of the mission are. Right. So I think when he's like, what do you think that they said? I think they're able to piece the two of them together like, oh, yeah.
0: They ask him a couple of times. They, they, they spend a couple of times asking him. Eventually, they, it becomes
1: very clear, I think, when the helicopters turn around. Yeah. I love the old woodland camo pattern. So this, is, uh, this dates the movie. This is 2003. We have the, the seals are, are in the old woodland camo, and it's a, it's a classic look of a more innocent time. It's the kind of camo we used when we played paintball. Mm-hmm. Oh, hell, yeah., mm-hmm. yeah. yep, yeah. That's the camo I would still wear if I went to go play paintball. I keep looking at Airsoft videos of people playing like milsom Airsoft, and I was like, that's about as much milsom as I want to get into ever, right. I don't want to be in right. the military anymore, but that looks fun right. as fuck. I do miss paintball. I really mm-hmm. do. like it's fun. no, it really it's it gets your it gets your blood up. you can you can be a team with your friends and stuff like that. It's very exciting, and then you have a sandwich afterward. and <laughs> and these days, these days, spending 50 bucks on some balls for, you know, an hour and a half or so of fun is not as devastating as it was when we were 17 years old. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You really coughed it up for that when you were that old. And now as an adult, it's like hey, a little more liquid income to spend on nonsense. I could just buy a paintball gun now. I know and never use it yep and i've thought about it i really (laughs) i found myself thinking i could buy a nice paintball gun charles because think about that we had those little shitty (laughs) yeah yeah terrible but they weren't great yeah
1: i've been looking at like at at, like bespoke like fancy nerf guns and i'm like what do I fucking need this for maybe i want that freaking the muzzle loading like musket nerf gun that that person
0: 3d printed that looks freaking cool (laughs) i want it badly (laughs) Not for my kid. If I get it, I will keep it from him because I don't want him to play with guns. Exactly, no, I it goes on the wall up behind your,
1: <laughs> behind yeah, your head. Exactly.
0: <laughs> on your, like, hung in the
1: jet, jackalope antlers. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. We're an hour into this episode and not even 10 minutes into this movie.
1: <laughs> I mean, eventually the movie's going to fly by because it's, I mean, we so. th- there's been some substance in here. It's just that the dang movie. The nuns and the priest aren't going to leave. This other lady who is the the other nun... I would love to see more of her. I just can't help it. There's people I would love to see more of. She's not really in a lot of stuff. She does a bunch of like video game voices and stuff. She looks like Patricia Clarkson and Patricia Clarkson to me is like one of the most beautiful actresses ever. And I think that's because even when she was 20, she looked like she was 40 and now she's like 50 and she still looks like she's 40. And (laughs) it's just my favorite.
0: Also, she's in some great movies. In the margins here, I have helpless, voiceless black people, Navy SEALs shouting, Dr. Kendricks, this is our cast at this point. This is where we also get the line, God already left Africa. Yeah. Yep. Right before that, when they're all rolling out, one of the seals, I, I, I cut it and in the, it, I had the captions on, he says, back to the Falcon game. Did you hear that? <laughs> oh, really? Let's
2: get back to the Falcon game. Come on.
0: It goes by, and in the in the the captions, it says "Back to the Falcon Game," G A M E, and I'm like, "The hell is that?" And what it sounds like he says is "Back to the Falcon game. Hey,
3: let's go. get back to the Falcon
0: Gang. Come on. Like, like we're the Star Wars Rebels, and we're going back to the Falcon. Like everyone's, oh. it's like an aside statement, and maybe it's like something totally unrelated. But I heard it, and I was like, "Is that a Star Wars reference?" I can't tell.
1: Is it that, or did they get like? one quarter into an atlanta falcons game back on the carrier and then they had to and then they had to roll out and they're like fuck i really don't spoil the ending
3: come on we gotta move a little quicker
2: than this come on let's get back to the falcon game come on just gotta
1: get back to it i mean it's totally possible either one of them i would have to go back and re-listen to see what it is i mean both of them kind of imply a sort of cavalier confidence about what's going on he's actually playing for the atlanta he's a quarterback fucking everybody's just standing on the like on the field just waiting for him to come back crowd is
0: like getting a little restless but the like, game huh. clock is ticking down ticking down ticking down ticking down ticking down this guy comes running out of the hallway just, <laughs> <laughs> just trying to get throws back
1: to it the touchdown leaves on the blackhawk back to the aircraft carrier <laughs>
0: He's just splitting time. We we are an hour into this episode and only twenty minutes into the movie. But hey, we're saying important things. Mm-hmm.
1: Much like um, th- much like the people in this uh, in this
0: little Exodus here, uh-huh. we're going too slow. Yeah. Well, I have all these little boxes telling us we hear trail songs, we see mountains with smoke, mm-hmm. we see tall, tall, tall trees with people. They're doing the crossing the creek scene, and I cut here. Like, go easy, Doc. Watch your step doc. I got her, Doc. These seals are so gentlemanly. The creek is lame as fuck. The creek Did you is see lame.
1: The creek that they were that they were pulling it wasn't like a creek that you really needed help for. They were in sandals, so it's like they're probably fine to walk through that.
0: It reminds me of thirteen hours where the seals are always like just like gentlemen. But they're mm-hmm. like the murdery gentlemen. <laughs> like ugh, it's just gross. And then we get the moon and um a bunch of whimpering sounds and the white lady saying that she's going to help them and this is where we have to stop now they have to stop and take a rest got to One of the guys they have sound.
1: has a prosthetic limb he has a right. uh, he has like a prosthetic leg and i leg. think that
0: they show us exclusively so they can shoot it later in the movie <laughs> i felt like
1: at any time they were going to reference um dark man with it mm. and one of the refugees was going to pull the leg off and it was going to be a machine gun right. and he was going to light yep. everybody up that would have been fucking rad <laughs>
0: up for like a really amazing sword and he just one legs around the battlefield. It's a bazooka. (laughs) It's a spring
1: loaded uh, bazooka so the football part comes off and kicks somebody and then like you just crank (laughs) the foot back.
0: (laughs) He's just winding it up in the middle of a battle. Hang on. One of the
1: the seals here is Johnny Messner. Uh, My older sister would recognize him as the uh, as Val Kilmer's like colleague from Spartan with the uh, Apple seed in his knife. He's a solid that guy. It's nighttime and um, and everybody's resting, right? Because uh, mm-hmm. because they're they're pretty tired and they they need to get some more energy, even though they're behind schedule. So he's like thirty minutes, you know, rest for thirty minutes. Um, yeah. Everybody's holding really still, and then um, and then there's a patrol showing up and the patrol is just kind of moving through the uh, through the jungle, but they have to be very, very, very quiet and do whatever you can to keep the baby quiet, and the
0: rebels are so, so close. It's the scene where the baby starts crying and the bad guys are coming, and they have to keep the baby quiet or the bad guys are going to hear it, and they do this thing where they show the scope, the little like like mm-hmm. scope with the that'll crosshairs, be, and be. it's always right on their heads, and it's like the movie is just explicitly, and they did this in 13 Hours a lot too, being like, they could headshot <laughs> these people right now, but they're just not. It's like the restraint. The but they've got the drop on it, And if they wanted to, they could pop all that. But at what cost?
1: The rebels are so close that a lady is forced to smother a chicken. That's a
0: joke you don't get yet. It says. <laughs> My notes say, Rebels, Seals, Baby, People. Rebels, Seals, Baby, People. Rebels. It's just going around this little circle, showing us all these things. Very, very tense. Oh, God. This scene is so gross. He slits the dude's throat in front of Dr. Kendrick. Like She's got to stand there and watch him bleed out. And then Bruce Willis wipes the blood on his pants. It's just so gross. It's like your hegemonic male moment of... Forever. That's just what the dudes want. They want to murder the dude, the bad guy, in front of the white lady and wipe the blood on his pants and walk away like a hero.
1: This isn't just a thing that dudes want. This is specifically a thing that SEALs want. Is to get up to somebody close enough to kill them with a knife. And I'm not saying that like that's a joke or like this is the I'm saying that specifically this is within SEAL culture that it is like a
0: thing to kill somebody with your knife. Right. Well, we talked about their whole narrative, like you wouldn't know a seal was there till you stepped on him, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's their whole like-
1: this. I just recently read Alpha and I would probably recommend that you check that out too. But they have a whole thing in there specifically talking about the weird knife culture that goes all the way back to the underwater demolition teams of World War II. And that there's like this old school Vietnam War era culture of seals that aren't the guys who go in watching watching this movie and saying, I want to be these guys who are doing the heroic right thing to save people. Yeah. They are instead a people that look at the Vietnam War and say, I really miss those Mac of SOG V Mac V SOG days or whatever they called it, um, where we just operated with absolutely no laws whatsoever. And we okay. didn't have to be accountable to, to any sort of leadership or whatever. Right. And, um, and that culture within the seals is called like pirates that, huh. And and among those pirates is Eddie Gallagher. And that's why Eddie Gallagher made such a big deal about knifing that POW. Mm. It's that he was like bragging to his friends like, look, I got a frickin knife kill, even though right. it was a handcuffed guy that was like unable to defend himself. So this movie showing a showing a knife kill is not just being like, look at what a badass guy. This is specifically, that's a thing that specifically speaks to SEAL culture.
0: Yeah, it's a gross note and a stupid one, but it speaks to this. IMDB had it. uh, The knives used in this movie. Everyone's so excited about how authentic the knife is. It's a SEAL knife. It's a a law enforcement knife, apparently. They really made a Mm -hmm. big point of the knife, so there you go. Yep. This is the scene where she walks up on him fondling his gun, and this line made me laugh my ass off. She's like, what's the matter? You can't sleep and he's like it's my watch can't you
3: sleep lieutenant my watch man
0: it is like she is so clueless (laughs) shouldn't you be asleep no i'm literally on watch right now that my the whole point is i'm not supposed to fall asleep you don't know what's going on (laughs) she would be terrible at watch she's like i'm just gonna catch a couple z's here (laughs) while i'm on watch
1: no time for emotion for a guy like him no, he's just a man on a mission. He's not there. Thank you for saving for these people. I don't give a shit about that. I don't give a shit about you or the people. I was giving a mission. Just a mission. I'm just here for the mission.
0: Just a mission. It's almost like he has to pivot as a character somewhere.
1: Meanwhile, at the mission, nah,
0: nah, nah. we have
1: the priest and the um and the nuns. They're taking care of the people. Well, guess who
0: comes through the door? Just like in Before the Rain, they just kick totally. the door to the church open and walk right on in with their guns.
2: You don't know that. Only God knows. <laughs>
1: Who is among the uh, bad guys here? Well, none other than Peter Mensa. Peter Mensa, a lot of people might know him, sadly, as just the guy who gets kicked into the pit in the 300. Mm-hmm. But my older sister and I know and love him from the Spartacus TV series where he plays Doctor. Crixus, what is beneath your feet?
3: Sacred ground, Doctore. Watered with the tears of blood. Your tears. Your blood. Your pathetic lives falls into something of worth.
1: And he is fucking amazing. He is so good, and he needs to be in more stuff, preferably at some point where he is shirtless. I wrote, in fact, he should have been a SEAL, and he should have been the guy that's shirtless. That dude is so freaking built, at least for fucking Spartacus, it was... I got to watch. We got to just do a rewatch of Spartacus um, somewhere on this network because that show is better than it ever had any business being.
0: Mm -hmm. And
1: it's just chock full of beefcakes.
0: I don't know. I've ever seen
1: babes and beefcakes. Oh, my God, dude. It's so fucking good. It starts off a little bit dumb. Four episodes in, you're hooked.
0: These are just the big brooding black men that say absolutely nothing but have this grim look of satisfaction on them as they go around and kill a bunch of people
1: that's why i'm like i'm always bummed when peter mensa is just like used as like this guy because he just after seeing him on spartacus it's like god he has like this huge freaking range and he's just used as the guy that kicked down a well or the bad african warlord
0: or something like that and it fucking sucks they do the scene where he very slowly and dramatically pulls the blade out because he's gonna hack the priest's head off and the blade falls cut to burns and everyone goes what was
1: that
3: the fuck was that?
1: He should have um, been doing it really. R- he should have been pulling it out, and then, like, one tear is coming out of his eye, and then it just starts flashing to, like, a goo. Go, these these and the, the that moment eye. when the commandant is, like, telling him to chop his chop head. And head. so he's like, mm, he's <laughs> like,
2: chop ah! him. Ah!
1: <laughs> that would have been a good um, Darth Vader moment.
0: Well, we talked in that episode about um, Afro-pessimism and how like decapitation and cannibalism and all of this is part of the rhetoric of that. So we're seeing it here. Can't just put a bullet through the guy's head. They got to hack him up with the machete. They cut back
1: and the guy's binds are cut
0: he lets him free yeah he just lets him go right that old thing (laughs) the guy looks down what they're playing off each other the scene where the blade comes up and it cuts right when it goes they're playing off each other right and the birds go up and the guys are like i felt a disturbance in the
1: force it's so
0: fucking (laughs) well that's the one that i want that's the one i feel like i've seen several times which is (laughs) when the violence happened and instead of seeing the violence it cuts to birds bursting out of a tree you get it like I don't know. It's like nature itself is shocked and appalled by what has happened. The subversion
1: of it would have the birds go up in the tree and you're like, oh, thank God they cut away and then immediately cut back (laughs) with a (laughs) knife like in his head as the guy's like twitching all around. And then they just show you the full scene. You're like, what would oh, happen fuck. if they
0: did it and the birds flew up into the air and then you heard like a bunch of sh- shotguns go off and a bunch of birds come down and a bunch of people went and plucked those birds? Like, what's the imagery doing there? I don't know. Or what
1: if all the birds went up in the air and then they all land back down onto all of the corpses and start eating them?
0: <laughs> yeah, there you go.
1: There you go. That'd be it's interesting. Just makes these metaphors forever. They get to the LZ and only two choppers show up mm-hmm. and people are like, that's a little, it's a little mysterious
0: there. Only two choppers. You know. Again, I wrote, Hilo gonna be okay, and joke's on me. Hilo's actually okay this time, so it just goes Uh to show they don't always need an end-of-act-one helicopter going into the grass when we thought Mm -hmm. everyone was going to get saved.
1: If this was the Gears of War universe, those helicopters would have immediately just come
0: in and just been shot down. Right. And then you get the sideways shot of it coming in with the propellers going. Mm -hmm.
1: Right. And the inside in the interior shot of the world spinning around from the uh, from the door of the helicopter. Locals don't get to ride on the chopper.
0: No, nope. She slaps him. She spits on him. She calls him a bastard and he just stands there and takes it. He says,
1: you're the mission. This is a lesson that we learned also in Lone Survivor. But we're seeing it here first in 2003. Yeah, you guys don't get to ride in here. Charles
0: says this movie should have ended at about 30 minutes or so. This is 3430. I have a helicopter with an arrow going like this. And I'm like, the end? Like, the end is the is coming? This is it? We're done? <laughs> no, yeah, not so no. lucky. Mission done. We saved her. Yeah, the people are weeping on the ground. Lena's really sad. The seals are sitting in the helicopter looking just grave and accomplished. It keeps cutting back to the people weeping. I get it. They're totally alone. They're out in the jungle. That sucks. But they keep screaming, Lena, Lena. Like they are just super dependent on her. She's the one.
1: Also, apparently, they have some other stakes. Well, because they know that they're not going to, the Americans aren't going to listen to the black
0: people. She's literally their only advocate. I suppose that means. Yeah. They will listen to you. You're beautiful. <laughs>
1: And white. You're beautiful and white. You have two things going for you. So I wrote, "That's really nice of the pilot to do some sightseeing." Now, if you look out the uh, <laughs> left-hand side, you'll see an uh, atrocity that played out. Uh, big blooms of blood in the water. Uh, Churches on fire. Uh, vultures are eating the corpses. Uh, if you like vultures, uh, we can hover here for a minute if uh, Lena wants to watch for a while. Lena, do you see any of your friends?
0: Got a nice tailwind. We should be landing in LAX uh, 20 minutes ahead of schedule.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So this nice atrocity sightseeing. Um, People do that here in Detroit, Mm -hmm. looking at all Mm of our our blight. All of the SEALs look at him knowing that it's fucked like this situation. It was wrong, Yep. Um, but they don't say it. And then um, Bruce Willis, let's turn it around. Can he do that? I just don't. I don't, I think the pilot would be like, no. It's like, you can't do that, sir. That's not something You're you get to do. Not in command of us. <laughs> At best, we'll drop this lady off and then bring you back, but probably right. not. Probably not.
0: <laughs> yeah. that's That whole moment, I was like, I don't think he could do that. The rest of the movie is just dreamed from that yep. moment on. <laughs> He wakes up in bed at the end of this movie and and he's like, that's what happened. That's not what happened.
1: Yeah, his his reflection says that's how you have to remember it
0: Mm -hmm. if you need Mm -hmm. to live. Mm -hmm. That's how you go to sleep at night. Exactly (laughs) right.
1: Yep. So the helicopters come back and there's like a bunch of really despondent people just like kind of w- making their way solemnly back into the jungle. And the helicopters like, lol, we were just joking. JK. That was just a funny thing. We just, we just wanted to see if you
0: really wanted to come. <laughs> you know, that thing where you do with your sibling, when they come to grab the door of the car and you drive forward a little bit and then they grab the the door and you drive forward a little bit. That's basically what they're doing. Also, good thing those people are still in that little field. Like, if I were those people, I'd just skedaddle out of there. And then the helo comes back to just an empty meadow. <laughs> (laughs) Just nobody there.
1: (laughs) The helicopters come back, and um, the crew chief jumps out and he applauds the refugees and he says, Congratulations, you passed the test.
0: (laughs) Everybody gets on
1: the helicopter. (laughs) yeah they try to get on it turns out they can only take 12 of them so they put on children and people who can't walk surprisingly not the leg guy
0: nope not the leg guy he can walk well enough she hugs him and he like peels her off he literally like peels her off of him it's Mm -hmm. again just gross
1: what would have been the correct response
0: uh to the hugging not not that i don't know not making this movie yeah making a different movie would have been a correct response the mom gets separated from the kid so that they can be promised a reuniting later that scene always kicks my ass i don't care how stupid is. <laughs> just <laughs> yeah, let the mom yeah. get on the helicopter nope does it need Sorry. a pilot i don't know if it needs a pilot let the mom on leave the crew chief behind yeah
1: they're gonna have to go to cameroon instead we heard earlier in the movie that it's kind of far away mm-hmm. i feel like they said like 40 miles 30 clicks to cameroon okay so that's much less actually that's more along the lines of like 15 to 20 miles
0: i don't know my click to mile ratios over
1: those ridiculous mountains though like as we saw in behind enemy lines um (laughs) that's gonna be hard as fuck when or later on in the movie they do like a thing where they're like somehow i forgot to see how they were like tracking the mo the movements of the of the bad guys but they it was the like
0: a laptop with the dots on it
1: right I, I didn't know if that was that was that like a was that drone footage or something but in any case the guys are making very they're like they're moving on us so fast and it just seemed like they were moving very slowly very but then slow. when i was looking at it i was thinking that's probably realistic because i think they're going up the side of a mountain in the jungle and then back down again that's probably mm. realistic
0: they definitely make the, the, the line that they made in those other movies. What was it, Zulu or whatever? They're like, these are the guys that run the Olympics. It's like that's just an age-old joke that they're going to rely on. They just run forever in Africa. Two hours
2: ago, one. These are the guys that run the goddamn Olympics. They've been closing in on us all night long. How long we got? An
0: hour. Two top. They're going to outrun everybody. I wrote mountains, mountains, rain, mountains, rebels find smoke, waterfalls. Oh, this is where I wrote Africa, question mark, Hawaii, exclamation point. They said that they filmed in Hawaii because this was right after 9-11 and they could not go to Africa. It was ultimately what they did.
1: Well, Hawaii looks great, doesn't it? Sure does.
0: Yep, man
1: it's uh it really looks fantastic they are on their own there's no air support ton gets mad at him on the flight deck um you brought me all the way out here to this dangerous fucking flight deck
2: i don't like (laughs) this
1: so they got to go on foot to cameroon that's going to be a lot harder men are questioning the mission Mm -hmm. like hey sir you know you knew that you knew what was going to happen to the people at that mission when we left them what are we doing now sir
0: i love the way that the rebels say americans americans Why did you have to smell the smoke canister? (laughs) Because maybe it was full of chocolate.
1: I don't understand. I didn't understand that
0: tear gas. And he's like,
1: you could there's like a little piece of tape (laughs) on the bottom that kind of like seals up the uh, where the smoke explodes out from. And you can just spend days and days and days taking all of your um, – every time you eat an MRE to take the Tabasco out and just put it in there and just let it empty and absorb into the, the goo inside of that grenade. Uh-huh. And then when it pops out later on during a training exercise and you you throw it at your friends, it just is like making people cough and their eyes tear up. <laughs> Not enough to be like effective really, but just enough to
0: be annoying. Right. Right. Well, you know mm-hmm. how in Guns of Navarone, when they found the dead mouse and it popped like a firework, I think it'd be funny if they picked up the smoke grenade and smelled it and it was stuffed full of dog shit. would <laughs> <It'd> be like, ah! <laughs> 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 Joke's on you. <laughs> a lizard
1: just, popped out and bit his nose. I did like that they did correct, they did some, some correct smoke stuff. So they, they throw the smoke out and then the pilots say what color smoke they see and then they confirm that that is in fact the smoke that they threw out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't want to be like, we're throwing out purple smoke and then the people listening on the radio just also throw out purple smoke and then the pilots land in the wrong spot. Like, it's it's better to do it this way. The one with us jumping up and down and waving next to the yellow smoke, that's us. We're going to shoot at you. Just come towards the direction of the fire. We're shooting
0: right. guns in the air. Everybody stops to eat and they have this scene, which this is one of those links where I was saying at the top, I want to link global meliorism and Jacksonian militarism to the white savior industrial complex. And in this moment, Global Meliorism tells us America clothes, feeds, shelters, millions of people without asking for anything in return, except help or look the other way when we do whatever we need to do to win the global war on terror. In this case, they're giving them all of the food. They're protecting them as they travel them. They're not really asking for anything. This is a totally, totally, totally selfless act, selfless moment. Cool. I think that that's that linkage that I was talking about because the white savior is constantly about very small acts and very meaningless acts. Give me a job, man. It's mostly about a good experience for the white person. It's not really about solving the problem.
3: I don't like those beef anyway.
0: So, like, give them some of our MRE. Like, here, give them this MRE. Is that going to feed a, a people? No, it won't. But it feels good right now. It feels very good right now. I feel now. like and
1: that's like a like- big giant, like, sub-theme to this current season of Atlanta. Oh,
0: yeah. I want to watch the new season so bad. It's such a great show. I haven't seen the new season, though.
2: Mm.
1: I just watched this uh this video essay. I'll have to send it to you. That's about Afro-surrealism. Mm. And it was talking about how the experience of being, you know, black, but also probably for a lot of people, but primarily for being black and dealing with white people or the white normative culture that we exist in can create an absurd and surreal reality for black people. Yeah. And I was like, yes. Yeah. Yes, I can absolutely fucking see that. And that makes sense that there is an emerging art form about it.
0: This is the scene where he suspects that they're being tracked because they have that little satellite thing that they're looking at, which is not explained at all. But there it is. And he asks her if she knows why they're being followed. And as soon as he asks her that, I'm like, this movie wants us to think that she does know that they're being followed, but she's going to tell him that she doesn't know that. So now she's lying. They held her for six months and whipped her back till it was till it was <laughs> right. down to the bone. Yeah. She says no, but she does. He later says he would have done the same thing, but now they've both lied to each other. They have that in kind. And again, I've written mountains, rain leaf, rain trail, mud, monkey, mud, trail, monkey, mountains. <laughs> Sorry, y'all catching the theme here? It's not aircraft carrier, aircraft carrier, aircraft carrier. It's jungle, 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 jungle. The movie is like tinted blue
1: the whole time for some reason. Like, yeah. I don't know if it's just the transfer that I had. Like, maybe the movie needs a remaster. I don't know if anybody wants to see that. But <laughs> it's like, it just seemed to be kind of more <laughs> muted than I would have expected. Then Red Line really stands out in a unique way in which it seems to present the colors very naturally. And seeing them naturally is like shocking and stunning because I feel like we see so many edgy or like gritty portrayals of movies, which means
0: gray or, or cold blue, you know, like that kind of cold gray, blue offset, Mm -hmm. right?
1: I mean, we definitely did that for the uh, for the futuristic war scenes of Future Soldier from the past, where we uh, yeah. threw off the white balance and we made that. everything kind of
0: blue. Yeah, <laughs> and we made guns out of squirt guns and black spray paint. Um, mm-hmm. I, I wanted to note that, like, what's interesting about the Thin Red Line is it's all about like what's this war in the heart of nature? But this movie is about positioning the black people within Africa and nature, and that's one of the the hallmarks of um, Afro pessimism. We'll see at the end is that. It um, basically says that Africa is the way it is because it's still kind of primitive. Um, and the war in The Thin Red Line is a war being brought by Americans and the Japanese. The people in that movie are seemingly very primitive, but it's not the war that makes them primitive. And in this movie, it is very much the barbarism in the war that makes the people appear right. so primitive.
1: Because I would almost feel that The that Thin Red Line wants to posit that the actual primitive behavior is the modern war that comes in. That's yeah.
0: what it seems to, is that it's like the yeah or, or at the very least it puts the war outside of the indigenous population and asks whether it's like universal or not whereas this movie mm. is like they are uniquely bad because they just have not found civilization. jungle yet. rules man that's exactly what happens right. out here. Yeah exactly right. God
1: left Africa long ago. No God came to Africa with a bunch of shitty missionaries and
0: it's been fucked ever since God left Africa africa a long time ago they reference it in the documentary and i'm just like what a shit fucking lie!" <laughs> thank you for being so honest
1: bruce Willis. <laughs> why here's one of my questions why did i enjoy 13 hours more than this movie
0: yeah this is a good question for the batch episode because did you it's did just, you yes yeah, it's right. candier I said it, it it's more like candy. It's just it's just candy. And this movie's not candy. This movie's too serious. This movie's beast. But of thirteen no hours
1: was like so serious too though. Yeah, and, but it wasn't it like so serious
0: in a way in which it was like
1: like Michael Bay truly I feel like was like saluting so hard as right. the guys are like shooting the flag, you know? And this movie doesn't quite have any of that right. stuff. Well
0: it's serious in that the guy gets headshot and then he shoots himself in the foot with an RPG with sparks going absolutely everywhere. Apparently, this movie has a Wilhelm scream, but I didn't hear it. I, just I heard about it. it. I
1: heard it. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it was it was mixed in with a bunch of other um, screams. It's when they find the body
0: and the uh, and the claymores went off. Mm-hmm. You're right, though. I do think that that it, it's just more earnest and flag wavy. I don't know. It's
1: this, it's something about the about the earnest flag waving that, that borders on parody that that makes thirteen hours so much more fun than watching this one. Thirteen hours flew by, which I feel like it was longer than this movie. Right. And this movie for some reason just fucking dragged, and I don't remember it dragging so much. Maybe this Any is case. why it dragged,
0: because I have written I read some of this, but I really want to read the whole thing. Because this is all in a row. Mountains, rain, leaf, rain, trail, mud, monkey, mud, monkey, trail, mountains, rebel on trail mountains 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 <laughs> I like Ooh, look at all the mountains and look at all the rain look at this monkey <laughs> look at this other monkey. but then
1: i watched all that stuff in thin red line and i mesmerized but, i would watch six hours of thin red line is it just because thin red line is also at making your brain work while you're because doing it. Because Thin
0: Red Line is pointing at the nature itself as part of the story. The alligator going into the fucking water and the bird laying there trying to figure out why it is so blown to bits. You get it? Like they're the story. What? The, is there an avenging power in nature with the vine wrapping around the trunk that's growing?
2: What's this war in the heart of nature? Why does nature vie with itself? The land condemned with the sea.
1: This is just saying, look
2: at that.
0: <laughs> exactly right. Does the monkey do anything? It does not. Does the rain do anything? It looks good. It sets an atmosphere, I guess. I don't know. It's not.
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: one of the days that they're going like the next day or something they're walking along and they can hear all of like this shooting in the distance and they can see a village and it's on fire
2: mm-hmm. and
1: um and they turns out they're witnessing an ethnic cleansing what do you got Inside
2: seats do an ethnic cleansing
1: and they could go around and completely bypass this but as they're watching it's like it's fucked up like they're watching people just getting gunned down there's women being dragged off to be assaulted there's men like being like there's a guy like a tire has been put on top of him and they're dousing him in gasoline and stuff like
0: standing over him with a zippo A zippo i wrote it it
1: twice flea you got the zippo roger that
2: zippo first
1: I said, oh shit, a Zippo. So you got to use a Zippo, I guess, because it's the only one that's going to stay lit as you throw it down into the ground. Otherwise, you have to kneel onto the ground with like a bick, and then you just got to like kind of like spark Leap it.
0: Leap away, because that stuff's going to foo.
1: Yeah, arm arm's arms length away from it, and then hope like, you know, you have an asbestos glove or something. So yeah, we do have a Zippo. The guy's kind of, you know... S- just sort of make eye contact with each other. And it seems that they have decided that they can't, they can't not do anything. Yeah.
0: This is where they say we got ringside seats to an ethnic cleansing. And the question is, are we going to do something or not? This scene makes me want to bring back what you just said, Charles, about how there's this kind of absurdity that's being spoken about in the second episode of, or the second season, the newest season of Atlanta, where it's like living with white people is just really weird because A lot of the people that played Africans in this movie were literally former refugees that were shipped to Hawaii to play refugees. And they're standing on a hill, looking down on a fake village, listening to gunfire. And a bunch of them just apparently start crying. I do remember actually these special features.
1: Yeah.
3: I thought to have real Africans be flown in to be the extras in this film. I wanted real people. The Lost Boys of Sudan. They walked across Sudan 14 years or something. Like that. They traveled in the pack of
0: 65,000. That was from ages 2 to 13. And the oldest was 14 years old at that time.
3: They really went through horrible experiences in their lives. And you can read that in their faces.
2: There's almost nobody on this set that you can talk to that there isn't a story of how we have congregated in the United States of America. There are
0: moments when it's so real that they break down. The memories that just are never-ending, when I see that, I just, I mean, that's just wrenching.
2: Looking down at a village that is burning and hearing gunfire is beyond movie-making for a lot of us. It just triggers stuff.
3: There's an older gentleman, his character's name is Alpha.
2: He lost all of his family and he lost them in a way that very much emulated in this story. Just hearing the gunshots and coming into the village, he just started
3: weeping. He couldn't help himself.
0: Just these guys watching what we were doing just shook him up so much because it was so much like their own story. That in turn moved us and everybody just bonded in a way that
3: I've never really seen happen.
0: What a weird moment to be like, we will fly you to Hawaii, where Americans go to vacation, so that we can shoot a movie about the atrocities that you have experienced. It's not about you, and it's not about those atrocities, and um, it's definitely completely unrelated to your life, but could you stand here and look sad? And then they do. And then they show up in a documentary as a kind of justification for the power of the film because in the documentary, they breathlessly bring this up to be like, that's how authentic nope. it is. That's, that's because to
1: the filmmakers <laughs> so up. as as probably as earnest as Fuqua is to these filmmakers, they are making a movie about what these refugees went through because to them, so. they're like, yeah, you're Africa. Right. <laughs> You're from Africa. We're making an Africa movie. Yeah, it's Africa. And it's like, but this is from night They're Nigerian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Where are you from? Africa. Africa. Right.
0: That's what I said. African. Yeah, but they're totally different people. Yeah, but that's they're like Africa. Cincinnati, right? Like, <laughs> America. Right. It's just America. Yeah. Yeah, you hear that? All you that hate California out there, we're just all America as far as the world is concerned. Yeah.
1: They've been going at it all day. So they, the guys are, they got like a sni- some snipers up in the trees. We have the guys splitting up into groups, and they're like low crawling up, getting close to the village, gonna. Discreetly take people out with their silenced pistols and whatnot. The evacuees watch and listen to the stuff from a distance, and the the snipers shoot the dude with the Zippo. And the other guy, they save the dude in the tire. Thankfully, don't have to see a guy get burned to death in a tire. We can watch that in other weird movies. This is another
0: one of those moments where every time they shoot the women, gasp, and they have to tell them to be quiet. It's just like you are shooting a gun, and that is going to be even silenced as loud as those people gasping. You don't tell the women mm-hmm. to be quiet when you're discharging a firearm. Just odd.
1: They run through the uh, village and they, you know, if you like to watch, watch gun stuff, this is, this is a thing. It's got some, some knife kills. They save people. Some people they don't save. They get there like right after they get gunned down and stuff, but they this get vengeance for them in any case. Brings up our conversation
0: from Beasts of No Nation about black trauma porn to this whole sequence i wrote when did the seals ever do this stuff i don't know man i don't know
1: when have we ever done this in a way where we weren't just wiping out a village
0: yeah it does seem to be like kind of the opposite of the story that hits the news all of the time and when they try to tell a story that glorifies the seals it tends to be made up a lot so i just don't have good answers for you right now
1: right like i just like (laughs) we do assassinations and things like that i don't like i feel like it would have been a huge news coup if there was like hey Eight SEALs went off freaking mission because they saw an atrocity happening and they had to stop it. Like, it's never the case. I
0: said conspicuously absent at the top of this movie is based on a true story. And we know they will put that on shit that has nothing to do with the true story, so. It's
1: It's never the case. We never hear we never hear like a story like this. We always hear justification for why black water guys had to shoot a bunch of people in an intersection or something Mm -hmm. like it's Mm -hmm. never it's never like they saw something and they had to stop it it's always us justifying something bad and it's like this is the the true bummer is that there are people in the military who think that this would ever be the thing and then they are heartbroken when they realize the truth Mm -hmm. after all of the fucking work they put into
0: trying to be this person and the sacrifice that this entails like Yeah, they're definitely at risk of getting shot in this movie, just like you will be, except you won't be saving a village full of people.
1: Yeah, you'll find out that it was for something really shitty. And it's like it's it's that instead of this, it would be for those throwaway lines at the beginning of the movie where they're like, oh, oil or whatever, Mm
0: -hmm. gold, right? Fucking cobalt. Bruce Willis's character gets saved by a local in a kind of random act of he gets ambushed Mm -hmm. and then the local kills that guy. There's no payout for that. It just is something that happens.
1: I think because eventually that guy is like brought up later on as being like suspicious because he's one of the newer people that came I was in. I going to say, is that one of the guys that they don't give him a name? He doesn't have any like lines. It's just... He's the bodyguard to the, to the president's son.
0: Was that who did that?
1: Okay. Uh-huh. That's who did that. And then he dies later on, sadly. Yeah. It's very upsetting to the president's son. He has kind of like a, a young Forrest Whitaker look to him, I think. Mm -hmm. maybe. And, um,
0: and it immediately like, that's the Colonel. Yeah. Yeah. He definitely, uh, I thought kind of the same thing. Yeah.
1: One of the, uh, one of the people that they kill that like falls into one of the guy's arms as he shoots him, as he comes running out of a doorway, He's like, it's just a
0: kid. We've had a long-going conversation about Afro-pessimism and white exceptionalism. And as we record this episode, the episode on Siege of Jaddleville is dropping. Uh, and people are listening to that on this Monday. And if you're listening to that, then somewhere in it, you're going to hear us talk about the fact that some of those people were 16 or 17 years old. And that movie has nothing to say about that. It is basically just them making jerk-off jokes on a camping trip until they have to shoot a whole bunch of people and save the day. There's never this moment where we're like, they're just a kid, they're just a kid. But when it comes, to black children for some reason. We will really emphasize this. We will really emphasize this.
1: We did do it in in Be- or in, um, in the bridge the American was like, this is just a kid. What, we don't kill kids? But,
0: but in the bridge, the the, the the children themselves were not necessarily vulnerable or exploited. That was the distinction. It would have been great if one of the kids, like, killed an even younger kid. We, what the well, we fuck? talked about, yeah, we talked about in the Beasts of No Nation episode, what distinguishes it from the bridge is that in the bridge, the kids are down for the fucking fight. The kids are all bought in. Whereas in the Afro-pessimistic version, the children are always going to be exploited, uh-huh. vulnerable, they have no other choice. Therefore, It is more of a sign of the the quote backwards barbarism of the continent than it is anything else you get it it is mostly just that they cannot protect themselves they can't protect their kids the kids are totally voiceless vulnerable they have no you get it no hope whereas in the bridge the kids are like patriots yeah i'm gonna put my tank division here i'm yeah exactly yeah <laughs> it's interesting very different very interesting but stupid. And, and we have said in Master and Commander, the kid's a fucking hero. <laughs> he's, yep, he's a total he's hero. Like nine.
1: <laughs> Absolute badass. You're cheering for him the whole time.
0: Oh my God. He just doesn't want to get it sewed through the nose. That's the only thing he doesn't want. That's the moment where we, sorry, different movie. Anyway,
1: there is a horrible assault going on, and Z hands his gun off to one of the other guys, and he like grabs the dude who seems to be perpetrating it. And he, like, points his face toward this bleeding, uh, dying woman on the ground. Look at your work, motherfucker. Yeah. It's becoming personal for everyone. Um, It should be noted that Z is, like, kind of, like, the most uh, prolific of the African-American characters on the squad. Um, There's another guy. um, I forgot what his name is. I wrote it down at the end when I was keeping track of everybody that died. Uh, Yeah.
0: LT Slow Red Lake Z Flea and Silk. Lake I think so is the guy. Um He's a white guy.
1: Oh, Silk maybe.
0: Yeah. Yeah, maybe
1: Silk. Um but Silk doesn't have a lot of lines. This is the guy that for a lot of the movie has like exchanges a lot of like thoughtful looks with Bruce Willis. They they cut to him a lot and then he has kind of the most dialogue of um Right. Kind of almost of a, any of anybody else in the squad. He's the
0: one I at the like. end that says, these are my people too, so that he can fist bump Bruce Willis. It's <laughs> He's got
1: some, <laughs> it, it's, it's a movie from 2003. It really is. <laughs> the doc is giving last rights to the woman. How can they do this? This is what they do. Cutting off the breasts of nursing mothers so the children cannot feed. Yeah, this is
0: where I wrote Black Trauma Porn, wailing, lamentations, suffering voiceless Black women. The only woman uh, who's Black in this movie with a name, her name is Patience. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that sounds right.
1: Yeah, you have to be patient with us.
0: You're going to get a title role in a movie at some point. We will tell your movie someday. Just be patient. We are still waiting. <laughs> For now, we just need you to be very, 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 very sad. And at the end, to tell us how you will never forget us and how much you love us. Thank you very much.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And Bruce Willis is kind of like walking around out there, looking around at the village like, who's doing this? Who's killing us?
0: Willis Cam, with a full circle all the way around. He mm-hmm. is taking it in. The mud, the rain, the blood, the sobbing, the fire, the mountains. Have I said mountains? Because there's mountains. The seals watch the grief amidst a
1: burning village. Yep. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Z gets a moment with the lady from the mission. Um, will you get me to my daughter? Promise me.
2: <laughs> Avenge me! <laughs>
1: <laughs> and, and so this is nighttime now. They uh, they learn a little bit more about every kind of everybody we get like a little bit of
0: here and there um this is where we have to get the kind of hints at romance so this is where dr kendrick and the lieutenant are gonna have their scene where she comes to take care of his arm thankfully she doesn't have a bucket of water that so she dumps something in and then tells him to he's a big baby when he winces this is by far my least favorite. tropey trope no totally and then patience gives z something to help him stay awake it's the cola nut from the tree we've been using it for generations she's got this ancient ancient healing knowledge here and that's kind of how I read it was they're like coupling. couple. And he's them. like, I have Motrin. <laughs> yeah. I have, we have a medic here and he just gives me huge amounts I have of night terrors. I can't sleep anyway. It's definitely not yeah. necessary. <laughs> um,
1: her husband, this is uh, Lena's husband. Mm-hmm. He died trying to protect her, but he couldn't. He couldn't. What a cuck. Sorry. <laughs> right. Exactly. I was going to say,
0: um, what a beta. <laughs>
1: yeah but but you but you lieutenant you've protected me
0: don't be that guy they both look at the look at the camera <laughs> yeah, no it's
1: exactly kind of what I was feeling about it because he has protected her apparently and stuff like was that the way that she threw that then she says you did a good thing today I don't know if it's a good thing or not and I was like this was an opportunity to throw in a line like what if what we do here just makes everything absolutely worse destabilizes the whole region and the peace process or whatever blah 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 um, yeah. No. It would have been a great line. To say. But
0: no, it's been so long since I've done anything good. Well, okay. His arc is that he that he doesn't care for anyone at all. The mission is the mission. And now that he's doing something that is like flagrantly humanitarian, like like piling corpses up, lighting a man on fire, shooting the women in the pools of blood, blah, 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 blah. cutting loops like, off. I, just, yeah. I don't know. I don't know, man. I just. His feelings are so fucking buried. <laughs> this dude needs to put his guns down and go to therapy because he has absolutely no perspective at all on what he's supposed to be doing with his life.
1: <laughs> he's leading a SEAL team. Yeah,
0: right. <laughs> Instead, he's in charge with distributing violence and death. Okay.
1: <laughs> yeah, I wrote this movie could have gotten smarter about the uh, about the issues with a couple extra sentences right there. How long would it have it taken? You know but also it's not taking place in a real conflict maybe or maybe it is i don't know yeah Uh, it's not about the special forces that were killed there in 2018 or whatever
0: blurry camera and a bunch of feet clearly a nightmare sequence that he has to wake up from Um, and they do the thing where he wakes up pointing the gun at his friend but he doesn't shoot him
2: easy boss
1: God, you always wish it you could. That would have been great. Birds fly off.
0: <laughs> then he just sits there. People come running over. What happened? He's like, I don't know. Sniper in the trees. A sniper. Get down. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> he's trying to say
1: something. Oh no, he's dying. Puts his hand over his mouth.
0: <laughs> Wait, he's still alive. Shit. I mean, whew, thank God. <laughs> just standing there next to the dying guy, going, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. Don't, don't, say <laughs> anything, don't say anything. Don't tell him what happened. Oh, don't rat time. me out. Hey, speaking of a rat there's a rat
1: yeah they're getting pursued all night they thought that they were going to stop and like take a rest and pick up their their trail again once it came out but they've been moving all night like they've somebody's been messaging them Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and so it's time to grab all of the guns and get everybody together and figure out who is new to this group within the past few days gideon a friend of lena's goes running off
0: into the trees it's a friend of hers has to be a friend of hers i feel like it had to be a friend of hers she's that fallible. had
1: some stakes for her z takes a a knee and he like lines them up and shoots them right in the back um the guy falls on the ground there and um and he's dying and they find a radio transmitter on him and they're like why did you do it
0: why'd you do it Oh, uh, they have my family. They'll kill me. This made me think of uh, a conversation that I had, like my first or second year in graduate school of U of O. We, we, there was a seminar on like torture, Who and uh, it was offered by the Who political science women? department.
2: No, I'm to come. Who told you to do it? Stop it!
0: And it's like Who the American rhetoric on torture or something like that. And they talked about how, in little incidental moments, and also big, like, major plot points, they're going to have a moment where they torture someone to get information.
3: About who? Information about who?
0: And, I don't know, just made me think of that. (laughs) It's like, here they are getting really important information out of torturing this person, whereas all the evidence that we have on torture is that people will literally say anything to make the pain stop, so the information you get is mostly garbage. Follow who? Oh, and when they're in a tremendous amount of pain, it's really difficult for them to convey the information that they have. So even if they want to tell you, they can't speak because it's too painful. The movie won't show you that. The movie shows them at the verge of being like, coughing out the words that you want. But like, if you've ever experienced what like this, like, remember the episode where he said he just drops the gun on the dude's wound and that's enough for the person to be like, oh shit, (laughs) you get it? Like, you can't put a boot on someone's wound like that. And elicit a response. The movie's lying to tell us a story about torture.
1: It might be so close to the uh, time that he just got shot where he doesn't really quite feel anything from it, in which case that also doesn't make sense. Maybe it works sometimes. I'm sure it's worked sometimes. Yeah, maybe. It would have been fine if, you know, he just knew that he was dying and just told him the truth anyway because. What does he have to lose from it? They
0: established that they have his kids. They're going to kill his family. That's why he's carrying the bug. And Bruce Willis is like, literally, let him bleed out.
2: That's a man. Yeah. Fucking. What do you want to do with him? The- let him bleed out.
0: That seems harsh.
1: Yeah, it seems that Lena has a bit more uh, compassion for his uh, situation because she's actually been there. And knows that this is more complicated. But they just let him bleed out. Well, Bruce Willis just lets him bleed out. She like kneels next to him and then like the scene moves on, I
0: feel, doesn't it? Then Well, then he confronts everyone. I think that's my favorite turn in the whole movie. He's just starting to care. He just liberates a village because he's just started to care. And then one person. And now they betrayed him. This is why I don't open but, my heart to you people. But they betrayed him in extreme circumstances. You get it? This isn't the last movie. This is someone who's like very, very victimized themselves. And what that does is make literally everyone in the group a target. Get and thank God, because that's how he gets the, all the information. It is only through that complete, deep, and unabiding suspicion that he gets the full picture.
3: To solve Gideon's dead body.
0: And it's just a very telling move, I think, for this character.
3: Dr. Kendrick's is good friend.
0: That character? America. <laughs> yeah,
2: exactly right.
3: Any more of these here?
2: <laughs> Somebody's going to tell me.
3: Somebody's going to start talking right now.
2: Because if they don't, I'm going to kill someone else. <laughs> don't fuck with me. Please. Please. there's no need for this
1: so why do people want them so bad? Like they can't just be pursuing them because they're Americans or a a hot doctor <laughs> it is um it's for another reason. it turns out that one of the people in the group is the son of the assassinated president reveal yeah, like the last surviving freaking guy he's an heir to like a tribe or something he's the heir to the king of africa
0: they don't care it's like some tribal they're like some tribe the movie's like yeah (laughs) that's all we need he gets more backstory than bruce willis though that's worth noting
1: that is true i said this is why we had to
0: destroy the kennedy bloodline (laughs) yeah americans are kind of infatuated with that shit
1: (laughs) (laughs) yep it's the Clintons next and the Trump's Cole Hauser. He gets a good, uh, Claymore ambush. So they, uh, that guy eventually dies. Um, Cole Hauser goes and sets up a bunch of stuff. Cole Hauser, he, um, never quite, never quite came, became a star. He was, uh, you might know him from the Riddick series, Pitch Black. Mm. He was the mm-hmm. guy who mm-hmm. captured Riddick. He will always have a warm place in my heart because he plays that same character in the video game, Chronicles of Riddick, mm. which is one of the best video games that ever existed. He's in the Fast and the Furious series, too, it says. Yes, he is. He's the, also Billy
0: in Goodwill Hunting, which means... Very he is the me.
1: bad guy in Too Fast, Too Furious, mm. and I think that he plays, if you look at his name, that it may mm-hmm. be an ethnic name. He mm. does a great performance in in the movie that dis- where Joel Schumacher discovers, what's his name? In um, in Tigerland, he is like one of the drill sergeants, like instructors from back from Vietnam, training the guys mm. to go to Vietnam in Tigerland. And his performance in that is fucking phenomenal.
3: God damn it, you men will learn to soldier. The next sorry dick that tries a stunt like that would get my size 14 deltas so far up their ass, they'll choke on my boot heel. Do you understand? Yes,
1: I did. It's one of the best, like, military performances, I think, up there with um, with Jamie Foxx in uh,
0: in Jarhead. Jamie Foxx is really good in Jarhead.
3: Do you have what it takes to be the meanest, the cruelest, the most savage, unforgiving motherfuckers in God's cruel kingdom?
2: Yes,
1: I Jamie Foxx is really good in Jarhead. It's so good. I love
3: this job. I thank God for every fucking day that he gives me in the core. Oh right.
1: And um and I think it's like Joel Schumacher's last movie. Joel Schumacher gets shit on a lot for for the nipples Batman and stuff like that as he should. But Tigerland is actually pretty good. Um yep, we will eventually get to it as we watch uh, as we watch a bunch of um of Colin Farrell movies.
0: He confronts Kendrick and he's like, How can I possibly earn your trust? But he completely lied to her and was going to like betray all of her friends. And he thinks that because he turned around and came back and liberated the village, that that makes everything okay now. But that was just no. a joke, though. Right.
1: He, he wasn't betraying care. the trust. He just wanted to make sure they really
0: wanted to come. Yeah, I just wrote "lol" in great big letters there. I'm like, <laughs> dude's got the long term memory of a goldfish.
1: There's a there's a good scene where like a guy is at the corpse and he's picking up the uh, the radio transmitter and um, Peter Mensah sees it. And he's like, no, like that. And the guy, no, like very carefully puts it back down again. Um, it turns out it's not really quite booby trap. There's just a guy watching and he just clacks the claymores and blows them all up. Generally accurate. <laughs> right. it's a uh it's a good thing to assume if you are in the military and you were doing a patrol and you run across an obstacle that has been put in your way or something that is conspicuous that maybe somebody is watching it yeah yeah yeah
0: box in the middle of nowhere don't go near that box yep
1: yep back up and then like maybe fan out Try to see if somebody's looking at Snuffed it. Stuffed animal yep. in the road? Just leave it there.
0: Just, just leave the stuffed animal in the road. Don't pick it up. You don't need to bring that home. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Literally, fan out and go around that box. Bomb everything around that box. Because somewhere near that box, there's someone with binoculars.
1: <laughs> so this is where I wrote. There's got to be a better place to talk on the phone. We already talked about this <laughs> earlier on in the uh, in the episode. Cut the shit. Who do you think you're talking to, be
2: be I'm giving you a I'm taking them on air support this time. Airspace is too hot.
0: It's so noisy on the flight deck, though.
2: I don't like this!
1: I said, is it just too cool to see, like, you just can't can't resist the opportunity.
0: It's just money on screen, right? Like basically it emphasizes the fact that we got places to go and people to bomb. I don't I think it'd be also I was thinking to myself, Charles, if you and I ever get the budget to make it, you're gonna be standing there on the flight deck with your hair blown in the wind and your hand over your ear talking on the phone real loud. Who do you think you're talking to? And I just want like like a thousand planes just like
2: <laughs>
0: landing both directions at the same time in the background. Just totally overwhelming. That's what yeah. I, want. I
1: don't even want that. I just want one helicopter in the background lifting up, right. and then coming down again, and then lifting up, and just yeah. doing it over and over and over again in the background, just with nowhere to go at all.
0: <laughs> and then somebody comes out and tanks it up while you have some dialogue, and then it continues. No, to fly. Yeah,
1: no plans whatsoever. <laughs> just burning fuel.
0: Just taxis back
1: and forth aclo- across <laughs> the flight deck. I would like to see. We talked about it during the behind enemy lines. I would like to see somebody in some kind of like a suit uh, get launched off of that uh, that catapult like oh, yeah. some way safely if that person could could launch in like a in a a hang glider or something yeah that would be fucking cool to see I mean just do it I don't know point it toward the shore or something so that they can kind of land safely not in the water I don't know how yeah. it's safe to do but figure it out in a it way that doesn't collapse his thigh bones directly <laughs> up into <laughs> his thorax <Right. laughs>
2: I don't like this
1: As he's talking to Tom Skerritt, he's like, when have I not completed one of your missions?
0: And he just has to look to the side. When have I not completed one of your missions? I loved that moment where Tom Skerritt's like, just let me do this mission for me. I did all of yours. (laughs) Let me have this one. I just loved that the movie literally has Tom Skerritt just like nothing to say. He's like, well, you got a point. It's like, no, dude, that does not fucking matter.
1: (laughs) They do imply that Tom Skerritt had, was also a seal at one point. Yeah, I'm not sure if he has like a trident on his um on his uniform or anything. I didn't fucking give a look. Right, but they they he's like I've been in your position before, so mm-hmm. maybe he was one of those pirates slitting throats back in uh fucking Cambodia
0: and shit. Yeah, he's he he was one of those people when the helicopter flew over the village with all the dead people in it. He was trying to see if he could land a loogie on one of the corpses as they. <laughs> There's a bunch of Tom Skerritt cards, like death cards that you can put out. Yeah, right. He's throwing aces of spades out the window. Yeah, there you go.
1: So much for diplomacy. Yeah, I broke my own rule. I mm-hmm. started to give a fuck.
0: Mm-hmm. He tells all of his guys that they can speak freely. And one of them says that they should cut their losses. And yep. everyone else is like, we're here to save the yeah. day.
1: Everybody weighs in and kind of like gives their, their opinion. I said, is this a SEAL trope? Mm-hmm. Are we going to see more of this in the future? Well, it's, it the, happens the, the in lone survivor, forces Survivor. Where they're all mm-hmm. like,
0: what do we do? little, little debate here the, the yeah, This isn't a debate.
1: In any case, he just wants to hear the stuff, but the lieutenant right. makes the makes the decisions.
0: He does say this is what we're going to do, but I at least want to know how you feel about it before we go in. Interesting. I want to know how much I'm hurting your feelings. Mm-hmm. I think it'd be funny if every single one of them was like, "We should all just be leaving these people behind." Like this is very stupid what you're doing. But the movie doesn't Z- tell us that story. So
1: yeah, Z says, "Lt, those Africans are my people too." LT,
2: those Africans are my people too. For all the years that we were told to stand down and to stand by, you're doing the right thing. For our
0: sins. I wrote, "ew" in all caps, because um, he literally thanks him, essentially. And Bruce Willis, I wrote in all caps, for our sins. Hoorah, hurrah, fist bump. It is just white saviorism it made it made me think of your line at the end of our glory episode where it's like the one thing that all white people want is to be cheered by a bunch of black people for how not racist you are and then i said yeah. as they marched to the front of the brigade to lead the charge. Mm-hmm. And it's no like, totally and this movie's this. doing it exactly
1: <laughs> yeah that's a bummer man <laughs> also there is the very um although it's said by z he says for too long we've been told to stand down and stand by did that reminds you of Trump and the Proud Boys. Right. Oh damn,
0: I didn't even think about that. But fucking phrasing there. Like Proud Boys,
3: stand back and stand
0: by. But I'll tell you what. I'll tell you. The, what. You know what would really happen in this scene is Bruce Willis would come over to Z while he's cleaning his rifle or something, sit down. And he'd be like, "So you know these African people are kind of your people too, right?" And Z would be like, "The fuck did you just say to me?" And Bruce Willis would be like, "Well, yeah, because you're African American and they're African."
1: This is a little heavier to you, huh?
0: I've never that, been here. That is what would happen. I'm from Cincinnati. <laughs> <laughs> nope, but not in a Hollywood town. In Hollywood town, it sounds like this. Lt.
2: Those Africans are my people, too. For all the years that we were told to stand down and stand by. For since.
1: I mean, yeah, I understand my history. Yeah, technically. <laughs> I actually don't yeah, know but, where I'm
0: from because my history was erased. Do we want yeah, to talk about of that? Because if you guys, aren't you
1: from Massachusetts? That would have been a smarter movie. It would have been fucking really great if, like, <laughs> it just got derailed and Z it, just gave him a fucking lesson.
0: <laughs> just um, beats the shit out of him in the jungle and leaves.
1: And, and, no, and if, and if the LT was like, actually, you know what? We might die tomorrow and at least I might die more enriched by listening this oh, is my turn God. to listen.
0: That would have been would have been more indicative of whiteness in this sense. <laughs> That's all I'm
1: saying. <laughs> so anyway, this was. We also get a scene where um he wipes away Monica Bellucci's tear
0: with his thumb. That's have when, you ever done that, Aaron? No. That's when he says, "I would have done the same thing." He's like, "There, there." There there. I
1: said so stupid. Imagine doing
0: that to somebody. Oh, you're crying. Let me just. She, she says sorry. Cradle your face and then she apologizes. away. She says she's sorry and thanks for saving his life. Her life. It's just
1: Unlike her husband Unlike- just fucking died. <laughs>
0: Little dick bitch. Some dude Evans like. Hey, I tried. <laughs> hey, come on now. The odds were just complete. Like Bruce Willis has like a whole squad of Navy Seals and all of the strength of the off-screen U.S. military <laughs> back in his play. Her husband was like a librarian. <laughs> just, oh, sorry. Senator. I assume a doctor. A <laughs> yeah. Oh,
1: okay, right. Oh
0: God. Um, yeah. Also a doctor. So right. oh, we get after, the trucks and after, troops. After, Here's the trucks and troops. Yeah. After troops the and trucks and troops. Mm-hmm.
1: After the explosion, um, they had called in for more reinforcements. So we get like 60 dudes show up in, um, in a bunch of deuce and a half looking, uh, trucks. Mm-hmm. They're all wearing great berets, you know, mm-hmm. nice maroon berets. Very Africa. I mean, I, whenever I see the maroon beret, I always think of, uh, I always think of our airborne units. So that's what they, they wear over in the 82nd and whatnot. Um but but they also are totally jacked like there's a bunch of guys who obviously are really proud to have their sleeves rolled up yeah and i wish i could i wish i could put on muscle or put on any sort of motivation to put on <laughs> muscle
0: <laughs> yeah you know what what do they say jarhead you've earned it you've earned it like show it off yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, show I off guess. those muscles so
1: you can and it's like no That's the, the problem is i never put it on <laughs> now we go to to things getting tense because all these guys are like going after him seriously they're getting close to the border Mm -hmm. but they have to like double back you know across the river because they know we're logically on the map where they're gonna cross it's getting like really tense things are closing they can't get the air support
2: support
1: this this and that now we're at a clearing the guy who was the guy who uh, who was reluctant about, um, who said that maybe they shouldn't be doing this, this isn't their mission, with the Mohawk. Yeah, the
0: first guy that says we should cut our losses. That's totally how you know he's going to die. He's got to be the first one to die. He,
1: um, he's like the point man. He's like at the edge of this clearing. He's looking out there and he's like, they're all very tense about everything and, um, and very quiet. Everybody is, has frozen and stuff. And then... God, what comes out of the grass it's a it's just a little boomba like a mm-hmm. 30 to 50 feral hogs come out of the out of the grass
0: um i mean it's a boar you don't want to fuck with one of those things like well. he's surprisingly calm around that creature. no totally they will fuck your legs up <laughs> <Here's> what, <laughs> stay away from that thing
1: yeah that those things are are no joke i didn't quite understand how much of a uh of a threat they were until um in georgia we were doing some some training and one of them came out of the bushes kind of like that and i was like ooh, a pig and my friend was like oh fuck i'm from the south and this means something different to me bail turned
0: out he was wrong i <laughs> pet the fuck out of it i'm dead now i've go. imagined all of this This is why charles uh has such a sore foot <laughs> this is what actually is happened gored by is a, a boar th- he bought the purple heart on ebay
1: well the thing is is that i befriended it and brought it to iraq It wasn't used to the gunshots. Immediately flipped out, gored the shit out of my leg. The rest is
0: history. Yep, this is the actual, actual. (laughs) I will say about this movie that um, as soon as this guy fat shames a pig, he gets shot. So that's good. They showed him.
1: They showed that. Yeah, so the movie's ahead of its
0: time on that one.
1: You know, I just read uh, Bob Odenkirk's book and he has um, some really sad stuff where he talks about Chris Farley. Um, where people were laughing at Chris Farley for the wrong reasons, and not mm-hmm. that he was hilarious, but instead mm-hmm. of because of the the body stuff, and that it reinforced in Chris Farley like a very sad thing. Um, I bet. Yeah, and it's 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 a fascinating thing to hear come from him because a lot of people think of that Patrick Swayze skit with the Chippendales as yeah. as Chris Farley's. <sighs> Adrian? Barney? I think of Chris Farley's funniest one as being, what's his name, Matt Foley? Van down by the river. And him being fat is not the joke to Matt
0: Foley. You kids are probably asking yourselves, hey, Matt... How can we get back on the right track? Yeah, I, I really my favorite is definitely his interviews, his interview with oh, the Beatles and God, like, yes. all that. Like right. he was yeah, that's awesome. Um, I, I think that that's a really amazing point, And I love that Bob Odenkirk is the kind of person that would make it. Uh, I don't know. I gotta check so that so out. anyway,
1: yeah, we punished the guy here that would have uh, laughed at Chris Farley
0: for the wrong reasons. He gets shot in his shoulder, though. I think um, I saw it on Twitter once where someone was, like, asking if you were a child kid or a star that was fat shamed in a show, did you get counseling or something? And hmm. they were literally asking because they, like, watched the, the show Goonies and they were like... Oh, yeah, right. Right. Do these people get counseling for this or do they just get laughed at because they are fat in a movie that everyone loves and they're just... the. Believe it or not, most of the kids were like, "No, no, no, nobody ever spoke about that." With mm-hmm. me, so <laughs>
1: because it's got to be tough as an adult, where you're like your agent's calling you up and it's like, "Hey, man, we got like another uh, casting call for fat dipshit, you're it's like get loser at. friend." Yeah, mm-hmm. and yeah. it's like, "Oh shit, this is my." 10th audition for loser friend fuck well, and man, what's the wrong whole with point
0: you? is we won't say out loud what the joke is we will just laugh at it. and if you say it out loud then all of a sudden everyone gets all angry and defensive about it like that's a pretty good indication that we're fucking somebody up that doesn't have a voice you get it it's a telltale sign I don't know. You don't have to explain a joke to make it work. But if you cannot explain the joke, then maybe it doesn't work. <laughs> if you're stopping explaining it because you've, you're a real shithead for saying the thing you're saying, then maybe it's a hateful joke. I don't know. Maybe,
1: maybe, or maybe everybody else is just too sensitive. Have you ever thought about that, Aaron? And maybe they just don't know how to take a joke. And maybe you just don't have to listen to it. You can just This leave is what break I say room. when I'm
0: punching at cishet white straight dudes. This is what I say when dudes come to me and say that my class is too mean to white dudes. I'm just like, oh, it's just a joke. You just got to take it. Don't let your emotions get in the way at the moment. You're you're just being too. <laughs> I don't do that, but I do think that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> um, As a cishet straight white dude, I am allowed to think that is funny and also talk to my students who are in that place and be like, let's talk about why we are in this place.
1: This all came from a uh, from a pig emerging from the grass. It did. Um, after he um, after the grass <laughs> or after the pig walks by, he says, "It's clear. I'm crossing over."
2: Clear, LT. <laughs> it's just a pig. I'm crossing over.
1: That's well, that was the true funny part right there, wasn't it? I was I like, did "Oh not no, what is that?" But holy shit! <laughs> <He gets laughs>
0: Into shot the next and he goes, realm, phrasing. <laughs> <He falls. laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, um the monkey's paw finger goes down. Um yeah. <laughs> he
0: goes amazing foreshadow <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: But it's only through the shoulder, so it wasn't like totally ridiculous. Um I know that you were gonna ask this question. Um this is correct react to contact. Maybe they're standing a little too upright, but for the most part
0: to bunch together?
1: For the most part, um you want to have um overwhelming immediate immediate firepower into into the direction of the ambush and you want to move then into that direction moving back is probably they have not it's safer to move
0: toward it and shoot in my mind it's like if you stay put they're going to overwhelm you they're definitely Mm going to envelop you so i'm not about Mm -hmm. staying put in my mind you get gtfo like that's you yep. gotta evade. Evade and avoid is, is my first. Especially you can if see, there's enough of us. But in that crowd, that's gonna be hard. I get it. What's weird you can to me see, is they're um, all okay. on frame. I feel like they could all touch each other's shoulders. Oh yeah. You say no, they're that's upright, always gonna they're be like, upright. like
1: a. Yeah, that's <laughs> always <laughs> gonna be like kind of like a Hollywood thing, you know, it's like where yeah. people are having a conversation be and, be and you're the like shot. There's right. no way <laughs> right. I I I don't talk to people this close. But you have to get really it's like,
0: high in the sky to get this shot. But it it's like why didn't they do you, this in glory? I mean, they kind of did this in glory. I guess that's essentially what they did in glory. It's just the cannons were much more accurate for the Confederates than they are here in the jungle. I don't know. Because they're all in a place and none of them get shot. I'm like, none of them are getting shot? They are all in one place and this none is, of this them. <laughs> is, this is the problem with,
1: with with movie shooting, is that very rarely does it give you – because you can't see them. You can't see the bullets, right? Like this is the right. bullet catch um issue, you know, where you have to have the bullet afterward pulled
0: out and plinked in the thing. And because they do otherwise, just the zip poof, sounds and things like that, but if you're not yeah. perspective oriented with the camera, it's hard to tell where those are. It's like
1: and then you just kind of don't care, right? Like yeah. it's yeah. it doesn't it doesn't convey it's not like thin red line where it had like that's, those those bullets zipping woof, woof where I was. That's like, the one Ew, that eww. I
0: thought of too, because they're the cameras right behind the helmet and you see it and it's a, I mean, notably a tracer. Mm-hmm. If you take if you take the trace out of that shot and you just do the sound, I bet Does you're that like... work? I bet you're scared, but I I don't bet that you... I I, I bet you don't duck your head like you and... Like, yeah, and
1: so I don't together. know. Like, uh, but this this doesn't quite work, but they are doing the correct thing. I am still skeptical, but holy
0: shit. <laughs> I mean, they're not going I'm against sure 5,000. They're going up against like 60
1: guys, but... Yeah, but they
0: said 5,000. They said that there's... And it was trucks and troops and trucks. You're right, 60. Yeah, it, it, It's still... It's still I'm way more my gun than, than I'm just putting than, my gun down You're going to get killed. so it's like there is which is what happens if you actually do this in the real life. Not, not you don't get to well, eyed smile over your shoulder as they say they love you and watch you get escorted. On like there's way. a guy
1: <laughs> who got there's a guy who got the Medal of Honor in Afghanistan when they got uh-huh. ambushed on a, on a mountain and he was like a squad leader. And this is like what he did. Um, but it's also mm-hmm. one of the things that that ended up leading to his Medal of Honor was that When they initially got ambushed, their original squad leader or whoever ran off like immediately just shot, 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 ran straight into the ambush and then like got fatally wounded and was being dragged off by the other guys. As they're pinned down, he realizes that the only way to get out of this is to everybody return suppressing overwhelming suppressive fire and to assault
0: immediately
1: into into where that comes from. And so that's the only way you're going to get out of it. top. And the yep.
0: whole point is to make them think that. But there too, they don't know how many you are. I feel like they, right. this is one of those. And, and, where it's and like so that's seven why on sixty. Right, just, but you have like you have two top.
1: guys with with light machine guns. You know, on on both sides, you have mm-hmm. you cone. have the grenade launchers. Yeah, Big so you wedge, have sorry, huge amount of cone fire cone going edge. in. So it's like if you're on the other end, it would just be like trees coming apart, snaps of bullets over your head. You can't tell in the movie and the movie right. has a hard time ever conveying it, but the mm. the sensation of the of what it would be like of course the SEALs are, you know, not suppressed by it. They I feel like they should be more crouched over, maybe, and maybe a bit more
0: The old documentary there was like they interviewed the person that the Navy get sent him and they were like the, the actors were like, it wasn't really a boot camp, but it was like a two week intensive training. And then it cuts to the Navy trainer. And he's like, we taught them exactly what they had to do on screen and nothing else. <laughs> <That was laughs> like if they had to do this, we taught them that. And, and we didn't teach them anything else. And so in my mind, I'm like, I guess this has to be true. It just seems so ridiculous. But that's probably part of the point. That's, part, the that's part of the point. Of all of that coming, that... You're just like, oh shit, get me out of here, right? Like it's, it's just a Completely of that, I guess.
1: opposite of of your natural reaction And it's the opposite of what they would normally be expecting is for you to be suddenly like within grenade range of them. But it's also why an American fire team has like a 240 Bravo and a saw and a grenade launcher and all of the rifles and everything. It's so that you can put forth an immediate, like overwhelming, suppressive, accurate fire
0: Mm -hmm. um, so you can move. So Chuck, another one for the good, like good thing. The military didn't want Aaron because he'd be a shitty soldier. File. just dumping so many ammo <laughs> so much ammo right well the, well the ammo is you know paid for by the taxpayer you just mm-hmm. got to spend it as fast as humanly possible but then you got to carry it and the that's more of also it you the shoot thing. the less that you have to carry i think that's what the blush and roulette song means when she says trade the weight <laughs> in my hand for a heavier <laughs> load maybe not maybe that's
2: different.
1: The worry that you're going to need those bullets that you just threw away earlier. (laughs) Yeah, the buyer's regret. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you just took, like, the bolt carrier out of the inside of the rifle because it just makes it that much lighter.
0: That was my favorite bullet.
1: The bodyguard, he gets killed. Um, There's RPGs and grenades everywhere, just, like, blowing everything. It's, like, suddenly, like, it's... it's, I mean, even with those eight guys shooting back, it just wasn't enough. Um lena lena <laughs> muffled wailing i wrote she's concussed he i wrote he yells Picks it a few times up. and then he forgets how you pronounce it lena lena no, <laughs> lena no. i don't know i've yelled it too much it sounds weird to me and my ears are bleeding yeah I, I was gonna say he is Lana? also concussed everyone
0: is concussed right now the whole yeah
1: now everybody is pretty much everybody's getting wounded um the bodyguard dies slow is gut shot and he's dying earlier when they were doing like the group chat he said um they were like asking his his opinion and he goes are we there yet well now he goes i guess we're there huh boss I can hack it! I can hack it!
0: I can hack it! He says he can hack it. Um, The Mohawk guy, Lake, that got shot, says, sorry, 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 calls us back to our conversation that we had in the episode on Full Metal Jacket, apologizing for dying as a soldier.
1: There's a lot of, this is actually like a common thing where it's like all they it can think sense. about is like the shame
0: of being shot. I think it, it, it's an odd shame, On one level, and I want to emphasize Mm -hmm. and underscore that, it's an odd and fucked up shame. It absolutely makes sense in the context of a world where like if you're not there, your friends are that much more vulnerable and you Mm. understand that and you don't want to leave them vulnerable. And, you know, so it's like I don't want to disown completely the idea that they understand that that's one less, especially if they're carrying one of those guns that you're rattling off that needs to do the damage Mm. when they do the walk and it's one less of those. I get that. But it is to me just eerie it's just very eerie yeah no it definitely is fucked up angle. seeing it seeing
1: it could be a i don't know you could you could do more with it and 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 speak on it this movie doesn't try nope a cole hauser does some more claymore stuff if you were if you in the um in the thick of it needed to run a bunch of wire out and stick a claymore into the ground that's how you would do it the fucking fastest way possible just an absolute like like baseball dive face first with your arms stretched out sticking that claymore in the
0: ground good example of why grenades are still necessary <laughs> you get it? Yeah. Like, you can make all the cool little booby traps in the world but at some point if you got to throw something you will want it to be made for throwing otherwise
1: claymore is pretty devastating um but you don't really get to see it a lot in movies um Because it's it's more of a setup sort of thing, but it was fun to see it in this. But this movie's ridiculous. Um, A commander watching the action, sending in waves of bad guys. Is that a trope? I think we're going to start seeing that now.
0: It's the scene where um, like the battle has been raging and you think it's reached the peak level, and the quiet happens, and the good guys have somehow survived, and they're all scrambling to figure it out, and then another fight comes in, and they're just trying to survive, trying to survive, and then it cuts the arm going down and you hear oh! this <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking of Braveheart I'm thinking of yeah. Braveheart but I'm also yeah.
1: recently thinking of Zulu I think that they yeah, do yeah this yeah. in Zulu but yeah, yeah it's a, but it's always kind of a bad guy that does this you know like it's a bad guy <laughs> that that waves his men forward or something it's part they should of the- do that they should do that with Robert E. Lee does he do that yeah right <laughs> no and watching it you, dispassionately
0: Charles. just <laughs> <laughs> sending yeah, in the next wave lame. of pickets men more of, I mean Ulysses S. Grant we're looking at you eating your pancakes you know, or right up Burnside's was. Bridge or something <laughs> um, yeah it's 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 very tropey and they're just ridiculously there's so many and that's where I'm saying again I'm, I'm really questioning those tactics but you've explained it pretty well I'm convinced Um, and then the jets take off right is that where we are the carrier yep. jets, jets take off. there they go
1: Yep. Um, there's, as the jets, so we got some ticking clock here. Hopefully they can get there before these, uh, and the jets can get there before it gets too bad. Right. They're so close to each other shooting at each other. It's fucking ridiculous. This is where right. I have the problem is that they aren't, there's like guys like within like the length of my property <laughs> and they're shooting at each other with their, with their AKs and their machine guns and they're not reacting as if those guns are putting out something that is whizzing through the air. Because they're not putting out something that's wizardry, thank God. But the people aren't reacting as if it is. And the movie, I don't think, sometimes directors, I guess, just don't understand what to do with this. Like, I don't, it's not as scary if you're just, there's a scene in a movie called Assault on Precinct 13 that I guess maybe we'll have to watch. But they have a scene where they're like hiding in the building and it's dark. And you can just hear like silenced gunshots going off and the windows are shattering and then like papers are shooting up off of the thing,
0: you know, and it's way more tense than this shootout here. There's so many moments where the bad guys show up and shoot through all the windows and all the people inside have to hit the deck and everything just fucking explodes. And you're not getting that in this at all. And I think it has a lot to do with whether you want to see the bad guys or not. Because in Lone Survivor, the alternative is you just see these little muzzle shots going off like very, mm-hmm. very far away. And then you hear, swap, swap. <laughs> you get it? And that's right. how would they accomplish that, which is much more realistic, I would imagine. And this is part of why that tactic looks so weird.
1: It, it felt like um, it felt like the dude at the end of um, of Navarone with the German, you know, like da 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 his with his machine gun and all yeah. the guys are like falling down. That's like what it fucking felt yep. like. And it's... Okay so it, I'm glad you brought up 13 Hour or yeah uh Lone Survivor. Lone survivor Did yeah. you feel like that that shootout was more tense and dangerous
0: than this shootout? I think so. Yeah, I'm nodding emphatically. I'm mm-hmm. nodding emphatically. Bad for podcast. I think it's the, but, it's but, like mm-hmm. the
1: sound it's the sound and and just I think they they just
0: really well, kind of they accentuated like the impact of a early bullet. Early in that movie that their optics are absolutely incredible. They can see <laughs> earlobes from a billion. So when they look through the scope, you get to look into the terrorist's dark 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 cold soulless eyeball right before they swab headshot them. So they still get the others with those optics. <laughs> you get it? And that was an opportunity missed by this movie. They could have established the closeness of the others by the amazing technology that the seals have and then still got in the far away shooting.
1: It just still felt like the bullets coming from the other people were more dangerous than the bullets, even though we get the same amount of seals killed, right? Like it's, hmm, Mm -hmm. how do you Mm -hmm. solve that problem, filmmakers? Figure Mm -hmm. it out, because this was boring me. Like, I would have rather watched them unload the boat and climb up the mountain in in Navarro. Mm -hmm. That was more exciting to me than this. This is like... This is what I'm realizing as we're going through this project is that sometimes this shooty, shooty gun violence of the action movie or of the war movie is kind of fucking boring. It has
0: to have some kind of stakes and some kind of like immediate presence. Like, Right.
1: There needs to be more action than seeing a Mm gunfire. There needs to be more threat from it. Because otherwise it looks ridiculous. I wrote, "It's so close, it's ridiculous." Lake goes to save a lady that's like suppressed, and um, and he goes and and helps her, and then they both of them get shot, and yeah. he like kind of drags his body like on top of her as Why? he's dying.
0: Why it's so weird that he lays on top of her like that when he just dies. Needed
1: to it's sexually so, assault her.
0: It's gross! It's fucking weird. I'm just totally upset by that scene. It was. I didn't haven't nerve ways of characterizing my anger at that moment because it's his moment of going back and it's like even to his last breath he saves her and I guess it's kind of poignant that he's like just non-consensually draping his body over (laughs) this person that he barely knows like that's maybe kind of indicative of who we are as a country but um
1: it would have been better if um if he gets like bayoneted in the back as they're like just running over the top of everybody and then at the end of the movie she climbs out alive from underneath him Mm -hmm. then that would have solved a purpose it would have been more more poignant if he was trying to save her because they did it anyway where it's like you nothing like you both died they should have just had that one shot of them just being kind of unceremoniously gunned down within like a few paces of each other that would have been I think sadder and more affecting to see. Instead of it gets like this cheesy, really cheesy moment. It's I have to protect you with my physical body. I'm I'm shielding. It's
0: a good place to mention that that black trauma porn, which we've talked a lot about on this show, does not just have to be the stuff we mentioned at the beginning of this episode. Like this is another good example where her whole purpose is disposability for the sake of his poignancy. You get it in his self-sacrifice. And that's really it has less to do with the politics of how it's represented and more to do with just that gross history of that's like all she's there for (laughs) you get it like she has no other real purpose because this isn't patience right this like we'll find out what happens to her later be patient patience you'll come back this character again she's crawls out from underneath his corpse after they've all run past and then she gets
1: on like gets on like the abandoned machine gun and like wastes them all from behind with the fucking fucking
0: war maybe i don't know i also wrote in my notes here that um bruce willis's character is carrying um dr kendrick along and my question was how many women has has bruce willis carried in an act two or act three moment of a movie because at least the fifth element in this one there's, there's at least two okay he's probably got a pretty high count and this would be a fun count for protagonists And I want to know which (laughs) leading male has carried the most women through an act three of a movie. You get it? Like, I want these scores to be done by researchers. We
1: should start keeping track just for the sake of war movies, because I feel like somebody being a wounded friend being carried is going to be a war movie thing. What a great opportunity when you can also carry a woman. (laughs) When your friend is also a woman, you can its a double war movie whammy double war movie whammy
0: i feel like typically if it's the war buddy though he's shooting over the shoulder as you carry him and in this case she's just concussed and completely incapable which again you have to
1: drink the entire bottle if we have a woman carrying a man
0: i was gonna say charles you ready here it comes i'm a big fan of sigourney weaver's whole choice to not take up guns through most of her career up until aliens and in aliens famously she took up guns very elaborately The one thing I want to note that is amazing about that movie is she literally drags Hicks's ass back to the ship, throws him on the cot, gets all the guns in the big gear up scene, goes back to rescue the little girl and comes back and they fly out of there. And I'm just like, that's cool. That's pretty She doesn't carry him like a sack of potatoes, but the dude is literally helpless. Like Hicks is, Mm -hmm. you get it? And his whole move in that movie, his whole point is to be the one person that looks to Ripley and is like, I'm going to do what she says. Like. She's the only one that's encountered them before, so let's do what she says.
1: Well, I'm gonna say it right here. But put a fucking wire harness on the guy and have a woman just throw him right over her weird. shoulder right. and carry him off like he's like he's nothing. That would be fucking rad. Yeah. Um I would just love transform to transform
0: our it. expectations of what women are capable of doing and cast mm-hmm. them accordingly.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Yep. And um and just, you know, revel in the angry comments you get from the
0: guys <laughs> who <laughs> just refuse to believe that a woman could throw a guy over the shoulder. Because who gives yeah. a fuck? Yeah, those are woke points. Those are woke points and you can spend them. I was
1: was watching a freaking review of Red Dead Redemption 2 and the guy was like fixating for minutes and minutes on like this moment where the lady like stabs this other guy in in this hand-to-hand like knife fight. And I was like, shut the fuck up. Who cares? It's Red Dead.
0: (laughs) I point this out in my (laughs) class pretty frequently and I almost always get an angry dude. At the beginning of Mad Max's Fury Road movie, the dude is literally a hood ornament. He is Mm -hmm. literally a hood ornament. He is muzzled. He is a hood ornament. He's a blood bag. And um, Furiosa is the whole point of the opening sequence of that show. And when they come into contact, he's very suspicious. And I talk about how that's a good example of where they're not really transforming femininity because she's just kind of doing what Mad Max would typically be doing, complete with saving brides and things. But they are changing the positionality um, or the, the standpoint rather of the characters, where Mad Max is occupying a place that typically women would be occupying, and Furiosa is the lone masculinized hero. It's and I always get a grumpy dude who is like, <laughs> "Well, but in the other movies they open better because," <laughs> just like. Your anger is part of why I am here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to lie cuz we can learn yeah. a lot from that anger. <clears throat> Fragility teaches people things. I right. have written jets. There is there's approaching jets. Yep. Yep, here they go.
1: There's some. They give the refugees uh some action to do. Like you know the mm-hmm. refugees also have guns and they're effectively shooting back. Suddenly. Fucking surprise i mean An they were doing it earlier too but they weren't. nine minutes
0: like, into this movie yep look at him go <laughs> we, we we plot sometimes when a woman does something that is a choice that affects the plot this is when do the locals make a choice that affects their own conflict well here's one
1: here's well a moment. this is when they've they've gotten into the situation where yeah where they're actually in a in the shooting thing although the bodyguard did save um bruce mm-hmm. willis earlier so just very vaguely but yes um Silk sadly he dies in the river. He gets shot up as he's trying to cross. He was doesn't flinch um, at all when they splash right across his face. That's some Still solid acting. acting. Absolutely. Um there is I wrote so much shooting. Jets showing up. Z gets shot up. Red gets shot. A bunch of the the refugees they show up at the border, but the border like fence is closed and they're like begging them to open it up. The uh the seals are like Just kind of all piled on each other like bleeding to death in this tall grass as waves of dude comical waves of dudes show up all firing. See, this is a problem is that that grass should be like getting mowed down like Mm -hmm. it should be like that scene in Predator when they're mm-hmm. shooting into the trees or it should be like accounts of the civil war where they're shooting into like wheat or, yeah. or freaking corn or something. And <laughs> just, just like just getting mowed down, buzz cutting it completely. Yeah. And I think that would portray some kind of, Stakes, some scariness with all of the bullets. Instead, you just get like a billion muzzle flashes from a hundred guys on screen. They're just having a blast that they get to just rock <laughs> blanks. Like it's
0: probably a total hoot for the day with loud, convincing sound effects that just don't. It's not again. It's not just the sound effects. I have some goofy action movie shit. If I may get to it, um, mm-hmm. I have jets coming in. Got a is coming in hot because that's what I do and then Dr. Kendrick says oh my god <laughs> <The chats. laughs> and it was the line where, where the, it's like they get a camera on her and she goes oh my god where I'm like that is goofy <laughs> it was very goofy it just made it's- me it seemed suggestive I don't know <laughs> 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 then the huge explosion happens and the immolation happens, which is importantly a deeply settler colonial trope, one that Andrew Jackson was rhetorically and practically very committed to, glorifying and escalating and, and making a spectacle of the use of fire. Historians say this is one of the things that uniquely set Americanized warfare apart from, like, the whole continent. They had wars here before settlers came. But they didn't fight the same way that we did. And this is a good example.
1: This is also something I guess that you said that, um, that the DOD wants to see in a movie if they're writing – if they're rewriting the script is they want the uh, overwhelming firepower to show up at the end. So they shoehorn it into the end of fucking Lone Survivor even though it didn't happen. <laughs> um, it's the same crap like a bunch of jets and helicopters show up and start shooting everything. We see it then also at the end of, um, of Behind Enemy Lines just recently. Mm-hmm. Um, the helicopters show up and shoot missiles and fire their miniguns and crap like that.
0: Yep. I have the uh, movies miss in The National Security State book is the one that you're speaking to. And it does say that we have to have a preponderance of military power. It has to be asymmetrical. Even if we are fighting aliens from outer space, we have to be able to find a weapon that somehow makes their weapons look small and puny. <laughs> this is an important part of our story. And make them burn. Let them burn. Burn them up. Gross.
1: They should have, um, they should have had a coda at the end of the movie where it shows um, Lena um, having, to, um, having to work on a bunch of these wounded soldiers that have like horrible burns and on them and stuff. A bunch of them are children and shit. Well,
0: this whole outro made me think again of the 13 um, Hours movie where the just exhausted and utterly heroic and very, very brutalized SEALs are getting on the plane. And all the flight attendants are like, but like trying to protect them. Mm-hmm. And here it's Bruce Willis with just the bloody eyeball. And the I'm sorry about smile. your men. Yeah. I'm glad to know Americans like you. Like that line would sit very well. You
1: guys got to figure this shit out, Patience.
0: (laughs) Patience. Yeah, she's like, thank God for you. Well, she tells him that she will never forget him.
2: Lieutenant, I'm sorry about your man. I will never forget you. God. God will never forget you. <laughs> Thank you.
0: And she tells her that they will always love her.
2: We love you, Liam. All of us.
3: We will always love you. I love you too.
0: And this is white saviorism. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this because we're long already, but essentially white saviorism is saying that there's going to be a big emotional experience that validates privilege. White people are rewarded for saving those less fortunate and are able to completely disregard the policies that they've supported that created and maintained systems of oppression. Looking at the Navy freaking seal here, there will be no local agency at all. And it'll be framed in such a common sense way that any opposition to the savior in this case coming to save the day is going to be deemed in a negative light. There's really no way to critique Bruce Willis's character or any character that's white in this movie. The emphasis Aronson has in this article is that the white savior is able to be emotionally rewarded about the contribution that they made to the cause. It's primarily they're going to do a small thing and get a big emotional reward And then they can say that they made a difference in the lives of the poor, unfortunate people. That's Afro-pessimism. That's the Meliorism and Jacksonian military story coming together. It all fits in one great big happy story. I'm going to try to elaborate more on the batch so I don't spend too much more time on it here. One more note on this. Helen saying sorry at the end of Strategic Air Command. There was another one that we just saw that we said was very evocative of that, where she's like, I can't remember what it is. How does that fit with this character saying like we will never forget you and we will always love you. You get it? It's like we forgive you. We forgive you. You're perfect.
1: Well, they're not saying it to they're not saying it to Bruce Willis, right? Are they? I don't think so. Right, they're saying it to Lena mostly at the end.
0: Well, what's funny is she says she says she says to Bruce Willis, what patience says, I think I have the drop. So she's like we will always we'll never forget you or something like that. God will never forget you. Yeah, and it's funny because that could be taken in a very negative way. But I think her face is saying like. You're one of the good ones. You will. You're like the, you're Superman. You saved the day. Yeah, exactly. A, a, a romanticized version of good whites is another white savior industrial complex. Keep in mind, this article that I'm quoting um, Brittany a- uh, Aronson from um, is not about this movie. <laughs> it's about teaching. And I cut the, the, the contours of the White Savior Industrial Complex from this article. And I'm applying them to this movie. And I'm like, yeah, that fits. That fits. It's a big emotional reward. Listen to how it sounds at the end of this movie when she says, we will always love you.
3: <laughs> we love you, Leona. All of us. We will always love you.
0: It sounds a lot like the end of Glory as Shaw walks to the front of all of the people to lead the charge, doesn't it? Very emotional. The look on his face when he's bloodied, battered, and smiling, happy to be, it's the look Rocky makes at the end of the fight when he shouts, Adrian, that look, it is the most ridiculous fucking thing. The, 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 the dude is so proud of a stupid thing that he has done that has just destroyed his face. It's completely obliterated his ability to convincingly like express joy, <laughs> and the you. movie plays the music over it that makes us just feel like he's so heroic, <laughs> he's so funny tom scarrett
1: runs out there helps him back up and everything like they're helping their men tom
0: scarrett runs out there and says i know y'all just finished humping but i gotta send you back out get (laughs) yourself some grub and you're heading right back out and the movie just loops
1: bruce willis (laughs) nods at him (laughs) okay get the medic to look at that
0: all right (laughs) Just and the audience is like, no, 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 no. Train somebody
1: else. There's just like four dead guys just sitting in the fucking seats there, flags draped over their heads. They're not gonna say anything. No, no. I love Tom Skerritt. families reunited, and we love you,
0: Lena. The end. Oh, we gotta get the the dude shouting freedom. The, the article made me laugh because it points out this movie very conveniently gives us an exit strategy. The sun standing there, all of the people start singing and dancing around him as they realize their tribal leader has returned. I thought he
1: was bringing right, I thought he was bringing democracy that his family was doing democracy, but
0: no, instead it's a monarchy. <laughs> it's definitely the tribal leader has returned and they will just dance and sing and point and because that's as basic as it is and then his fist goes up and he says
2: freedom!
1: If only we could find the Black answer. Panther, if only we could just elect him why don't we just do that
0: why don't we just do that charles i don't know why we don't do something the world is letting this well how many missiles does it cost to do that not many it was one flyby, two jets that was another thing two jets two jets off a aircraft carrier
1: they only send the two
0: yeah. It's bullshit.
1: They should have sent some cobras out there.
0: Part of me is like, That's Owen Wilson up there, and he's grumpy that he only got to do one flyby. Now he's so excited that he got to shoot a missile he's finally. Like, oh can't we strafe from with guns? Like
1: he's like flying over the rest of Niger trying to or Nigeria trying to like find the uh extra <laughs> targets. He gets shot down. It's another movie.
0: Behind enemy lines, Africa. <laughs> this was batshit crazy. This movie gave me the best cut on the um White savior industrial really? complex that I've ever seen, and I really dig the way it's talking to these prior movies, with this weird "We gotta save the world," but it's Andrew Jackson saying it. Like that's nanners. What is next for this batch? This is batch ten. We have four more movies left before the end of this season. That's it. That's not that's upsetting. It. No. That's sad. I am looking forward to a break from <laughs> fucking war movies. I'm not going to lie. I'm going to wash the taste out of my mouth.
1: Well, we're going to keep them coming, Aaron. <laughs> it's never going to stop. <laughs> we're going to go to 1986. And we're going to watch Star Trek Four, The Voyage
3: Home. Voice the at all costs. Now attack opening probe. Earth is on the edge of destruction.
2: We cannot survive unless a way can be found to respond to
0: the probe. The key to saving the future. Spark, you're talking about the end of every life on Earth. Can be found only in the past.
3: We're going to attempt time travel. Sulu, Take us home. I guess as
1: you watch this, you will you will see that you'll see why this movie is is in this batch, it'll make total total sense. Do you know anything about this movie, Aaron, without looking it up? I'm trying to think
0: if we... I don't think we watched this for... The I don't think you did Project. watch this. No, we didn't watch this one. I don't think... I've probably seen it, but it was a long time ago, and I probably did not attend to it very closely, is what I'm going to okay. say. Okay. Yeah.
1: This is a Leonard... This is a directed by Leonard Nimoy. Okay. Um, I believe uh, this is... This is probably my favorite yeah. of all of the Star Trek movies. Well, we talked last um, episode
0: about how the militarism and Trekkiness conversations have you know, merged together. And I don't know. Star Trek is a weird military world. What is, what is Starfleet? They're invested you know? in the military representation. In order to look like Star Trek, it has to be a big... Ship with the folk and the guns and the-
1: yeah. Well, the the guns aren't necessarily the feature of of the ship, right? Like the ship right. is
0: is they're they're exploring, but it's true you don't see the guns in Star Trek like you do in Star Wars.
1: There's a reason why Star Wars is a more successful franchise, I think, money wise, because a a Trek story is not exciting in a movie, right? Like people don't want to see people not fight.
0: But but the guns of Navarone fighting a storm's pretty far.
1: Yeah, cool. just fighting the storm. That would be that would be a Star Trek, but but people people go into Star Trek and they want to see Star Wars. They want to see the Enterprise bl- shooting photon torpedoes and blowing its its freaking phasers and stuff. And the Star Trek approach would be that they like, I don't know, they freaking negotiate their way out of it they don't <laughs> blow up the death star
0: like people people learn a better way well even even original trek had the whole like don't interfere they couldn't intervene let's make this a little longer because mm-hmm. this is interesting like what's the prime directive or something where they're not allowed yep. to intervene and so even diplomacy is off the table in a lot of ways which the new show is maybe stepping on and and part of me is like science fiction and trek could be well positioned to do this if they are fighting the elements because space is fucking nasty mm-hmm and you could, I mean, not Mars because the air is not dense enough. But you could imagine planets that have planetary-sized sandstorms that will kick your fucking ass. Um, the 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 series um, blue, red, and green uh, Mars has a whole host of hypotheticals that come with terraforming Mars, where like epic floods are happening. Where like mm. icebergs the size of houses will just come tumbling down valleys, you get it? Like mm. you could do this. You could totally do this, but it is not as straightforward. It would have to be like a surviving the elements kind of movie, you get it? Like yeah.
1: it's like it's like from Star Trek to to undo our narratives, you would need to fight a storm. Yeah. And the bad guys would have to be the United States the modern United States military. <laughs> Hmm. But how do you take let's leave it at that and then you just go into this movie not knowing anything else about it and and then we talk more about it because I think I'm you're pumped. I think this is going to be this is going to be fun and it's going to be fun to draw then the parallels to see even the the arbitrary bullshit as to why I picked this movie to go into this <laughs> into this batch here well, because I think you touched on some really interesting things that you didn't have any idea about that tends to happen and with that this you're going to enjoy this movie and, and mm-hmm. i
0: think part of it is me cutting ahead a little bit and part of it is you knowing what you're talking about and picking movies that, that the literature is like oh yeah these movies are definitely talking to each other <laughs> you get it like that's very rewarding in this so i appreciate you this has been a good episode i'm um, looking forward to star trek i'm gonna go pet this pig
1: my uh, my church group is uh, doing a mission out to africa and so i'm gonna go volunteer with them
0: bye <laughs> said two to three hours on tears of the sun <laughs> no, are absolutely yeah three hour episode congratulations
2: i don't like this
0: zach and matt are two veteran horror movie enthusiasts discussing their favorite and not so favorite horror films scary movie fans beware or listen to watch no evil News, reviews, and deep dives of the television series and film franchises you love take a tour of the popular media world with Biggs and Brandon on Not Safe for Network. Charles is a Purple Heart recipient and cinematographer. Aaron is a professor and critical cultural scholar. Together, they explore the narrative, affective, and production politics of war cinema on The Real War Project. That's R-E-E-L, War Project. You can find all of these shows wherever you find your podcasts, You can find all of these shows on Redwood Sound Labs.